I have in me the ability to make you a better you. So if you work hard, focus, and stay on point, you can do anything. Trust me. We made this track. Tell everybody they can follow their dreams. The human voice has always connected audiences with experiences. Major brands all across America have trusted Kevers Voice time and time again. Conversational. Powerhouse. Intelligent and sincere. That's the voice you need for your creative marketing process. K-E-A-V-E-R-S-V-O-I-C-E dot com. Kevers Voice. Kevers Voice. Kevers Voice dot com. Always on. All the time. When we invest in ourselves, our glow, our vision, our vibe, we all shine. Together, we are black beyond measure. Remember the revival? Relive the remix. Reunite for the Orange Blossom Classic. HBCU reunion experience. It's year three, baby, and we back with that fire. Calling all HBCU fans. Labor Day weekend. The I Love. Jackson State University takes on the venomous Florida AM University. Tickets are on sale now. Watch the game in premium style seating or watch it from a luxury suite. And of course, you know the halftime show is going to be epic right here in the 305. The sonic boom of the South and the illustrious Marching 100. Who you rocking with? The 2023 Orange Blossom Classic. Don't miss the HBCU reunion experience. Labor Day weekend, Miami Gardens, Florida, Hard Rock Stadium. Trust me, we'll see you there. Oh, oh, oh. Check out orangeblossomclassic.com for tickets and info. Hello, good evening, Rattler Nation. It's uh, Brian Fulford, Kelvin Rozier, Marcus Green, live from our home studios. Fingers crossed that our internet connections allow us to prosper today, tonight, and uh, we got a good show planned for you. So uh, I'm, I'm already what, what already acting up. My internet's already acting up. Go ahead, be honest. No, uh, we, we Kel- good, brother. No, we're going to be yeah. great today. We are mm-hmm. rattlers. You don't get us twice in a row. <laughs> Amen. Amen to that. Uh, Kelvin, Marcus, Kelvin, how you doing tonight? I'm, I'm wonderful, man. I'm feeling good, man. Got my new headsets, man. I'm trying to I'm trying to be great, brother. I'm not, you know, we got to take this to the next level. So I'm doing wonderful, man. How y'all guys doing? Whew, I'm doing good. Doing great this week. Just looking forward to a great show. You know, looking forward to seeing you guys again. Been a good week for you, Marcus. How, how's the weather up in the uh, Northeast? Well, it got rainy today. 
I mean, it dropped probably 20 degrees from yesterday, but, you know, we need the rain. We were drying out a little bit, but other than that, you know, it's been pretty good. Father's Day was good, so that was a blessing. Yeah, and definitely happy Father's Day to uh, both of you, uh, Kelvin and Marcus. I hope uh, hope your, your families, uh, your, your childrens, and the, and, the, and the wifeys took care of you, you know, made you feel like the kings that you are, at least for one day out the year. I felt, I felt the love. I felt the love. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah, definitely a happy belated Father's Day to all the all the men out there uh, on the show. The, the the men who take care of their kids, take care of their families, might even be taking care of someone else's kids. It's all good, you know. The coaches out there, shout out to the coaches. Happy Father's Day to you, coaches. You know the the the, the mentors and and being that uh, strong role model, that male role model. So uh, we celebrated men this weekend. Obviously, we had Juneteenth. On Monday, um, you guys do anything in particular, anything special for Juneteenth? Uh, well, it was a work day for me, so I went to yeah, work. Yeah, me too. <laughs> oh, we didn't take we didn't get so y'all had to work. You didn't take the you didn't take the day off, huh? No, nah, the man the man got his hand, his foot on my neck. <laughs> I, there's no hiding the way you said that. <laughs> Marcus, how about you, man? Any thought of taking? I mean, did you? Was there any thought of taking off? Like, you know, like, yo, this is Juneteenth. I'm gonna celebrate out my people's independence today. Yeah, I was thinking about it. My wife was off, so I was like, oh, she's like, you don't get off. It's like, nah. That first year it was a hot company holiday, but after that, they were like, mm. so I was like, okay, yeah. Uh, I, I I understand. I understand. Uh, it is the uh, first day of summer, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, where I'm broadcasting from in the ATL, I have not seen the sun at all. The uh, longest day of sun has been filled with clouds. So I I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Mark, I mean, uh, Marcus, you just talked about uh, bad conditions. Kelvin, I know you guys were just dealing with some stuff in Tallahassee. I mean, has it broke? Or you guys did you see any sun? Is the sun still out? No, we we still in the midst of it, man. We've had uh, tornadoes and Ooh. thunderstorms and so forth, but it should be clearing out tonight and be better tomorrow. Okay, well, um, shout out to any of our folks out there. You know, hopefully, you, you if you're in an area where there you haven't been affected by, I've seen everything from in the southeast from heat to tornadoes to rain. Uh, you know, it's you know, it's just keep keep hunker down i guess and in somewhere there's some there's some sun and if you're in somewhere where there's some sun you know hallelujah uh if you get to enjoy that uh before we give a shout out to some of the people listening let me go through the rundown because uh we got a good show and we're gonna get going with our first guest coming up real soon but i uh, want to thank everybody for jumping in and joining us on facebook and youtube uh youtube of course is the jericho broadcast network youtube page my JBN Jericho Broadcast Networks is the parent company of the Black College Sports Network, which we are a part of. So uh, lots of great shows that you can see on the Jericho Broadcast Network. So make sure you're subscribed. Hit the uh, the thumbs up for our show. But more importantly, subscribe, hit the bell, and then go back and check out some of the other shows. I mean, there's uh, there's, there's some non-sport shows as well, uh, including my good friend, Rumpio. Uh, that's uh, broadcasting about 
similar time as us on the network. And so if you are a comic book fan, you can you can jump over and catch them. And uh, also uh, Random Thoughts with DVP. Uh, you know, great show, great insight, you know, for, for the uh, intellectuals, the, the folks who, you know, you want something to think about, something the non-sports related. I know there's a lot of great topics that uh, Aaron gets into on that show. And uh, more to come as the Jericho Broadcast Networks and the Black Coast Networks to grow. Also download the app. If you have the JBN app, just go to Google Play or the Apple App Store. Just search my JBN, my BCS, and you see it there in the top right corner if you're watching the uh, YouTube feed or Facebook feed. You could actually be listening to a replay on the BCSN Pod Zone, which you can always find all of the shows in podcast form on uh, Google Apple Podcasts, uh, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all of those places that you download and listen to podcasts. That's where you can find BCSN Pod Zone. We appreciate you supporting all of our efforts and uh, all of our content wherever you do. Let's go do some some shout outs. Let's make sure we we shout out the fam. There he is. First in, Kenneth Rozier. First one to jump. Let me say, hey, what's up to you? Uh, also got to give a shout out to Tamara T. Jumping in there. Uh, you got beat this time, Tamara T. But she sent an email in, so maybe that kind of qualifies. Uh, you guys got that email. Check your email, by the way. Yeah, uh, yeah, we got it. All right. To you, brother. Uh, Melissa Wilson, evening. Duh. All right, I was on. I, I, was, I was leaving a pause there. Uh, Chuck Hunt, always checking in from Monroe, Louisiana. What's going on, Chuck? Good to see you, Chuck. Uh, Mary 305. Good to see you, Mary. Thank you for jumping in. Meredith jumps in. Uh, Kenneth Bull, we are 74 days away from the OBC. 74 days away. Uh, interesting article from uh, Craig Haley over at Athlon Sports. Uh, what was what was the headline of that article, Kelvin? It, was, it had to do with about the uh, what was it? Something about the worry meter. Yeah, the worry meter. The worry meter. So yeah. he went through a list of some of the uh, opening games in the FCS and the level of worry. From I don't know if that was from a fan. I think that's probably from a fan perspective, right? Um, I'm imagining and, so. Yeah, and at the bottom of that list was uh, one of the two games mentioned was the FAMU-Jackson State game, and he had it at the highest level for FAMU at a five. I don't know. Uh, on a five-point scale – Kelvin, Marcus, would you agree? I disagree. I don't. I I don't think we're at a five points on a five point scale. But what do you think? Just just think Rattler Nation now, not you, but or us. But think Rattler Nation. What's the worry factor? You think? I mean, what does the worry factor mean? Um, I, I, I didn't really I, get. I didn't really get what he was aiming for with that one. To be honest. I think he was aiming for the fact that, you know, the last two years, the game has decided the conference. We've lost that game the last two years, and it's the only loss in conference the last two years. And, you know, so, you know, you take that into. Yeah, I, I, our fan base, we 
used to, you know, playing these type games. So we don't worry every area. We going undefeated. That's that's our mindset. So you know, Rather Nation's not worried about the game. They want to win the game, of course, but they're not worried about it. Okay. Um, I just saw I can kind of see where Craig is coming from in terms of like worry because he was talking about the first game of the season. So he kind of lumped that article, lumped us in with who was it, Yale or somebody uh, in the yes, Ivy Yale League and, uh, that uh, and, uh, lost their opening Yale. game because it was talking about the first game. And actually, further up in the article, it mentioned. It mentioned Jackson State. It mentioned the same game. Yeah. It mentioned their season. So it was mentioned twice, but from a Jackson State perspective earlier in the article and then from our perspective. Uh, I would say from a worry standpoint, no. From a we want to win and get this thing back on the right track, <laughs> I would say it's probably – it might – I guess the scale was one to five. It might be a five because we don't – we're not like – liking losing or definitely not liking losing like we did last year we're definitely definitely not liking the trend that's happened the last four times we played them i got so you. from that standpoint from a dislike standpoint if it's like we trying to want to win this game and probably expect to win this game it might be a five but in terms of right. worry and eh, i mean worry might be the wrong word to use for our game well as much trash as those jokers talk man yeah absolutely <laughs> I, I i you got a point there just to shut them the hell up. Hey. Yeah, I said it. You, you recall <laughs> the, the dancing and the exuberation. I Okay. Uh, this is too early. I want to ask this question, but I'm going to hold it. I just want you to hold on. Put in the back of your mind what it felt like after nine losses to Bethune. I just, I'm, and then later in the show, I'm going to come back and you think I, I want you to, you can probably guess where I'm going to go, but I just want you to keep that thought, how you felt after nine years of losing to Bethune at the Florida Classic and we curb stomped them. I just want you to keep that thought when I, when I ask the question a little bit later. Um, all right. So, Hey, uh, so on today's show, we got a, obviously, as we mentioned, if you caught our, our YouTube or our, uh, our promos, we got, uh, we're doing the ONG Awards. We got the nominations all settled. Uh, Kelvin did a great job putting the list together, by the way. Um, so shout out to uh, Mr. Rozier over there for doing that. But we also got some special guests in honor of music history. Black, excuse me, let me let me clarify. Black Music Month. It is still June. Is always and forever will be Black Music Month. We are celebrating black music and those uh, musicians and artists um, that have brought music and bring music uh, from Florida A&M University. So coming up in just a moment, we've got DJ Artistic uh, joining joining the show. And then in the second half of the hour, um, we'll have uh, an interview with uh, Coach Tyrone McGriff, Jr. Uh, he is a head football coach, Leon High School. His father was recently inducted into the Black College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, just uh, last weekend, I believe, you know, if you caught our interview with Henry Lawrence, uh, that was coming off. And so it's an honor to be able to talk to uh, Coach McGriff, get to talk, you know, about his dad and, and, and to find out, you know, just uh, just about uh, what he's got going on. He's right there in Tallahassee. So, uh, you know, Kelvin, you know him real well. But um, without further ado, let's go on and bring in uh, one of the hottest DJs in L.A., international, uh, worldwide, uh, 
DJ Artistic. What's going hey, on? Hey, DJ. Hey, DJ. Hey, DJ. That's my DJ. I'm in the building. What's good? How y'all feeling? What's going doing on? Doing all right, man. Doing all right. Thank That's you for coming man. on. Marcus, of Thanks course, thank you for having me on it. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, look, I uh, for, for for those for folks who don't know or who may not know, uh, DJ Artistic goes by the name Ronald Turner the second in the uh, you know that's government name, but the but the <laughs> name probably everybody <laughs> and the yeah. family name. When you go, so when you go home, let me ask this: When you go home, is it is it Artistic or is it DJ Artistic or is it Ronald? It's actually the, fam- the family name is Ronnie because my dad, of course, is is Ron Ronald, and he's he's family alum just like the rest of my family. But it's where, uh, for the most part, I'm just like it, it's still Ronnie. So it's funny when like my cousins who are my age go to my clubs and they'll they'll tell their friends, "Oh yeah, uh, Ronnie's DJing," and they're like, "Who is Ronnie?" And she's like, "Oh, artistic." So it's like she has to remember I have like multiple names out here. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So tell tell us. Let's. You mentioned you're a, you're a legacy rattler. Uh, obviously, give a give a little background. Let the people know your background. You know, with FAMU, you also were a part of the Marching 100. So so maybe just give us. You know how. You know your background, your family, how you got to FAMU, why FAMU. Yeah. yeah. So uh, my my dad and his twin were actually Marching 100. So I never was, but uh, they were. So it was basically oh, okay. where. <laughs> My mom, her um, her family is initially from Bascom on one side, then Greenwood, Florida on the other. Bascom is next to Mariana, so that's like an hour from Tallahassee. And then my mom grew up in Quincy, so basically, I think her granddad—I mean, her her dad had like twelve siblings. Eleven of them went to FAMU, so all their kids went. That's like four or five kids for each of them. Their kids, half of them went. They started moving to DC and Atlanta and LA, so. Half of them came back to FAMU too. So last time we counted, I think we have like 120 something relatives who, who went to FAMU. Wow. So we still wow. have some who are younger than me too. It was a case of me knowing people on campus and then I go to parties with them and then I'll be at the reunion. I'm like, oh, uh, who you know? They're like, uh, I'm part of your family. I'm like, oh, I didn't even know. So it was just that many, that many of us there. And then from my dad's side, him and his twin went to uh, FAMU, of course, there in the March of 100 back in the 60s. And then, uh, of course, he met my mom out there, actually in Quincy, because uh, my mom was in Quincy. So that's basically how they connected. Wow, that's a that's a beautiful story, man. I, you know, I, I still maintain somebody's somebody's gonna write the write the write the book on uh, on just these FAMU these FAMU love stories that that and, and yeah. just the children and the great families that come from it. Um, uh, that's 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 awesome. And so. Um, yeah. DJ, uh, when did that passion of you know? When, and by the way, what, what you, you may have said this, and I apologize. When were you yeah. at Fam again? I was at Fam O two to O eight, so I came out in O eight, but okay. I, I started O two. Okay, so and, and so when did uh, when did DJ and or when did that passion uh, for for you know what you do now? When did that begin? So the funny thing about it is that if I hadn't gone to FAMU, I don't think I'd be a DJ because it's a case of just the perfect storm of everything. Because I was a producer before. I was producing, and I used to rap back in the day, but I was producing. And at that time, 0405, I was with uh, The Game, the rapper The Game, who was from Compton. Uh, some folks from my high school know his people and connected me when I was at FAMU. So I was more so of a producer, but I didn't start DJing really until like 06, 07. And it was more so because... 
I already knew music. I already had all the music, but we were always going to, uh, we were always throwing house parties because one thing about being from LA, especially in that period, that was like the most dead time for LA music. If y'all remember the nineties, I'm sure if you were at FAMU in the nineties, you heard all type of West coast stuff all day. But by 2002, LA was kind of like, we kind of falling off, but the Bay, the Bay had what was called hyphy music. So that was big. So it was where we would have these California house parties where it was all like nineties up to like Oh one LA and then all the new uh, Bay area hyphy music. So, I was just playing off of a laptop. I wasn't even really DJing yet, but but we having these uh, California house parties. Like Colin Chavis, he was there. Uh, my PBM bro was good. It was a case of at first it's just us, but then people hear, oh, California got a party going, so we should go to that party. But you know how it is in college. It's like everybody's 19 and arrogant, so they started coming. <laughs> and the ones from New Orleans would come, the ones from Tampa would come, the ones from Atlanta. They're complaining, like, you're not playing our music. And I'm like, I know. Oh, I'm not goodness. It's yeah. like, why should, why should I? It's not for y'all. But after a while, it's like California dudes will be like, look, man, uh, I invite these five girls from Tampa. I'm trying to get one. So play some of their music, too. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, sir. All right. And then same. Next one would be some girls from D.C. And I'm cool with them. So I'm like, all right, I'm cool with the D.C. folks. So I'll play some go-go music. Let me play some go-go. And after a while, it's like, OK, I know I'm starting to know everybody's music. So I had an internship at DirecTV because I was in uh, computer science. I took my whole internship uh, tax re uh, refund money and bought turntables and a mixer and speakers. I remember having like 82 bucks left. And it was like, I got 82 bucks left to last me until either I get a job or I beg my parents for some money or something. So I'm going to have to make this work. So I just started going on Facebook. We had Facebook by that time. So I started hitting everybody up, asking them, you know, can, can I DJ this party? You know, I'll do it for cheap. I'll do it for 40, 50 bucks, whatever you got. So that's kind of how I got built up on it. Man, I I, lo I love that taking that tax refund money and going and, ch and yeah. chasing the dream. That's how you do it. That's yeah. how you do it, right there. Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's great, it. Marcus. Marcus, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, get your get your question in there. Uh, I got a couple of them. Um, well, one, I saw your tweet earlier today, asking about yes, uh, <laughs> about thirty five years ago, and you know, for some oh, yeah. of us that might have been around when we were at FAMU and okay. talking about the New Jack yeah. Swing. Yeah. So I wanted to ask, yeah. and I have my opinion. Actually, I put it out there. What do you consider the best year of black music from the releases and maybe from some of the classics that have come out of it? Because yeah. I, I see you on Twitter, that and I see, such you know a, that you're just yeah. aficionado of music. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really that is impressed. such an unfair question, man. <laughs> It's unfair, but I would say depends on what you're looking at. So, like, crazy enough, I wasn't born yet, but 1981, just from looking at that, looking at those charts, seeing it was before I let go, and it was just so many classics to Luther, never too much, I think was 81. Like, in that little period, a lot of those songs that sound kind of 70s because they weren't really synthesized yet, but it was still, like, they had a little bit more evolution beyond disco and beyond the 70s, like, that 81, 82 pocket had a lot between the Before I Let Go, Outstanding, the Yearning for Your Love, the Patrice Russian, You Remind Me, mm -hmm. a lot of those songs in there. I would say when it comes to like slow jams, R&B slow jams, it's 1993 by far. 93, that's 30 years ago. So you had H-Town, you had the Knock in the Boots, you had the Silk Freak Me, yes. the Janet Anytime, yes. you had the bald-headed guy who I'm not going to mention, but he did drop an album that year. <laughs> you, you had the Aaron Hall, I Miss Yous, you had... um. Even um, High Five had a track on the soundtrack uh, that year. So to me, when it comes to this slow jams, I'm going to say 93. When it comes to hip hop on its own, 
I kind of want to say it's tough because everything in between 92, 96, and then even 98 was tough with, with hip hop. I would say the best balance I would probably say is around 96. Cause that's probably the last year LA really had a strong year. That's when you had, uh, we had, um, cause I don't really call, count Dogfather as much, but of course, Tupac coming from the base last New York, Baltimore had all eyes on me. West, yep. <laughs> West Side Connection was out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Outcast, AT aliens. You had the Fugees. You had, um, Jay-Z had his debut. At, I didn't even know what it was back then. I just knew he had the soundtrack song with the Nutty Professor. You had, um, you had a lot, a lot of reasonable doubt, of course. So he just had a lot of bangers in 96. So I feel like yes, uh, 98 definitely had some super strong albums too. I feel like overall, 95 had a lot of great singles for everything. 95 was just the year when you had just everything, those hip-hop and R&B blends. You had the Fantasy, Mariah, ODB. You had the Total, Can't You See with uh, Biggie. You had like the Film You Flow, Naughty by Nature. You had uh, Big Papa was released in 94, but the single was 95. So to me, those are just the peak years from that that era. I would say on a straight club party high energy tip, I might say 07. That's somewhat of a bias because I was in college then. But as far as when you go to clubs now, you still hear stuff from 07. Like you hear the White Me Downs. You hear like the uh, what else yeah. came from 07. You even had the big songs like Party Like a Rockstar was 07. You had... All those little dance songs, even the Soldier Boy, which I hated at the time, but the Dunk and Crank that was 07. I feel like just to compare it, in 07, you weren't really hearing songs from 91 in the club. You might hear like a Poison from 90. You might hear like a Boys to Men from 91, but you might hear 10, 15 songs from 07 right now, and that's 16 years ago. So I feel like that era just kind of like marked everything that came since then. So that's kind of like my nuanced answer for that. Okay. Wow. That, that, that's an answer. I, I love the yeah, love the ninety six reference. And, uh, yeah, that that's awesome. That's out of the park right there. And I'm partial. Yeah. I'm partial to my freshman end of my freshman start of my sophomore year, and I won't go into the year, but it's the year that um NWA right their <laughs> oh, second album on, came out. That was ninety one then. All right. Uh no, I, I'm sorry. Was it ninety one or ninety? <sighs> Actually, I'm thinking eighty eight. Without- uh, they did they have yeah, a little, yeah. Didn't they have yeah. something drop before and then like they blew up with uh, straight out of? Oh yeah, they had the, the posse album. That's true. The posse yeah, albums before so that. So. 88 to me is like, yeah. But I won't. 88. I'm, I'm biased. I'm I biased because I respect 88 for hip hop because even Slick Rick and it was um it was just so many classes that came out in 88 and this is where I wasn't there to really hear it and understand it at the time. But looking back, like 88 seemed like it was extremely strong. The New Jack Swing because you had Guy's album too. I mentioned that mm-hmm. No Edition yes. and Bobby dropped yep. in 88, but you also had that Guy album and that. That album is right next to those. Like people don't really compare them, but that guy album was really right next to those to me. Summer '88 down to fam you boy. I believe it. I wish I could have seen that. That's that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I, I bet you. Uh, I I couldn't drive on the set. I was saying that's when the set was over. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. All right. That's when the wow. set you could drive on the set. Boy. Yep. I believe it. I, I missed that whole area. I mean, well, funny enough though. Here's the funny part. My first homecoming ever was '88. Cause I was wow. like, I was like three, so my dad took me to a homecoming <laughs> in '88. So I was, I actually was there in '88. I can't tell you what music was playing yet, cause I, the next time going was '97. That's when we were college of the year. So I remember, I remember the '97 one. I remember seeing all the bootleg football that had the fam you instead of Fubu and all that '97. Wow. Mm. What you got, Kelvin? So I thought Marcus was was going to go where I'm going. I'm going yes, there. I, I, I thought he was too. I thought he was too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw you had a, a Juneteenth party or something, and 
Janelle Monet, who I'm a fan of, was there. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I kind of want to know your journey from FAMU to what mm -hmm. you do now, right? Because yeah. I know you do a lot of stuff and, 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 you know, not just clubs, you know, I know you do some other things in terms of acts and, and throw parties and so forth. So just kind of talk about how you got to where you are now, your journey. So basically it was a case of, I had a lot of connects being from LA and moving back to LA. I got back in 08, but it still took a long time to build up because the thing is, I thought, I thought it would be easy. I thought I know a couple of promoters uh, with the high school with people who promote. I know some from me being a, pro a producer. So I figured I'm going to just move back and that's it. I remember the last party I did on the set or the last set Friday I did, <clears throat> I'd announced on the mic. I was like, uh, this summer I'll be back in LA. So if you're in LA for BET Awards, come through. I'm doing some parties. I ain't have nothing but I was just talking. I was just trying to speak something into existence because I, 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 I didn't know. I just assumed I'm going to go back to L.A. and just be doing some BET stuff. But I got back. It took years to break into the club scene because the thing is, I was gone. So when I was gone, the people who were my age who were DJing, they, they had been doing this stuff at the colleges the whole time. They had been at, at Dominguez, Northridge, Loyola, USC, UCLA. So they had been doing the parties and they, they had their name established <coughs> for the college scene. And for the Hollywood side, which was different, people had already been in there. And also it was about them being connected. The DJs who were doing Hollywood stuff had been doing stuff forever. They had the celebrity connects. And, like, I, I just was not plugged like that. So it took years to really build up. But funny enough, mm -hmm. I, I, I said it to somebody this weekend. Like, me being from fam, you helped me more than being from L.A. in L.A. And that's because, like, being from L.A. is probably different from anywhere else because it's really, like, it's L.A., which is, like, the – Compton, Inglewood, Gardena, Hawthorne, Long Beach, like South Central, East Side, just where everybody black is at. Then you have Hollywood, you have downtown. And when it comes to those crowds and the everything involving that, it's a separation. So it's a lot of DJs who can get big with the LA native local crowd, but for them to cross over in Hollywood is difficult because it's almost almost like you it's hard to do both. Like because I, I had the perfect combination of being from FAMU, I was able to kind of walk on both sides because I had the LA native crowd, I had the ones who were from the city, but then being from FAMU, I realized that nobody was really serving the HBCU transplants who had moved here from Hampton, Howard, Tuskegee, and Spelman Morehouse, all that. So I was able to kind of build my crowd off the HBCU side more than LA. So after years, just, just kind of like merging both crowds and just going at it, everything kind of came together. But it it took a while, but it really was for me being from FAMU. Like even my first club gig, I went to a FAMU like mixer the first week after I graduated. And one of them, uh, Rob uh, Rob Mitchell, who's the homie, he, he said, yeah, we're going to an Omega party tonight. I went there, met a DJ, and then he gave me my first spot. DJ Damu gave me my first spot in Beverly Hills. So even with that, if I hadn't been at a family event, I wouldn't have had that. So it really it's crazy how it really helped that much, even though I was I was going for college. Like It, it probably hindered me a little bit early on, but it helped a whole lot in the long run. Nice. Yes, sir. Nice. Um, the, it seems like, and, you know, Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like yeah. the the um, the West Coast or L.A. Uh, alumni chapter or or just the the scene of, of FAMU Rattlers in in L.A. has has uh, has grown or at least maybe it's grown in exposure. Yeah. Give yeah. us a sense. Give us a sense of what the vibe is like for of the HBCU or even just the FAMU culture. Uh, in LA, because I mean, being so so far away from yeah. you know the South, and you know you, you don't get that 
you know, we we get you get classics in the region, all up and down the East Coast mm-hmm. and and the yeah. South, but out West, you know, it's a whole whole different, you know, in terms of the, that 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 uh, HBCU event culture. So let people yeah. know what it's like uh, right now uh, on the West Coast. Because yeah. the thing about it is that it's so many HBCU graduates and family, especially because it's LA. So it's like for entertainment, everybody who comes here. I would say 80% are probably for entertainment because it's at this point, it costs too much to live here just to do, just to be professional. Like, like you, you can be professional and have the same job in Atlanta or Charlotte or these, even DC is expensive, but even there is better jobs. It's more like corporate and government jobs. LA, most folks will come here for entertainment. But if you think about how many HBCU alums who, who are based in LA from the Taraji P Henson types to the uh, even common is kind of back and forth. Like he's from family, of course. So, the thing about it for us is that we had a lot of alums who it goes both ways. A lot of us leave and later go to FAMU initially because, as you said, there's no HBCUs on the West Coast. And a lot of us want to leave L.A. for that because to me, the colleges in L.A. just don't have culture the same way. It's like you all all know SC and UCLA for sports. But that's about it. So if you're a black guy at USC or UCLA, you don't play sports. You're just a random. It's like and then you go to class and 300 people and only five are black. So. A lot of us went to family initially, and even more of us went to Howard, Morehouse, Spelman, because of like a lot of their parents went there, and their, their alumni bases are even bigger than ours, Tuskegee as well. But a lot of us do come out here because it's, it's LA, so it's like the weather, the opportunities, and with that, you have a lot of events. So when I first got back, I was throwing a beach party, probably 08, 09, 2010, and it was me and some folks from Hampton. I saw that they were doing it, and it, it ended up working long term. That back in 05, when Facebook came out. I created a group called the HBCU California Connection. And with that, that was initially for people who were from L.A. or from the West Coast period, from California up to even Seattle and Vegas who went to school at HBCUs. So we could all connect on there. Like, all right, we're going to your homecoming, this and that. But then by 0809, it kind of worked the opposite way. Everybody who who went to HBCU who lived in California was on there. So I used that group to kind of get everybody to these events. And from there... We started having more and more parties out here. They brought grits and biscuits. That was Maurice Slade who went to FAMU. That's really like the biggest traveling party, really historically. That's the initial like traveling black party that everybody else has really modeled their, their parties after. And he's from FAMU. So he started bringing that to LA like 10 years ago. And with that, we have all type of stuff. They have, they're having a Hollywood homecoming in about two weeks. We've had um, all type of beach parties. We've had all type of like picnics. Uh, the biggest picnic was actually thrown by a, by a wildcat, Nicole Ford. Nicole Ford Miller, I would say, uh, she went to Bethune. And uh, we always have jokes, of course, for Bethune. We always go at it just, just for the, the, the love of it. But yeah. she created that that whole uh, scene out in Pasadena at that. So we ended up driving 45 minutes to go to Pasadena because she has control of that park where there's no issues with sound. We can have the music playing with eight speakers and four subs. I'm playing all HBCU music there. So as far as just the connections here, it's just crazy to see, even like, Jay Murphy is one of the biggest DJs, especially for my age range. And he's Chris Brown's DJ. He was just in Europe three weeks ago with Chris Brown. Now he's out here doing some stuff, some more Howard events. Me and him did a party on Sunday in L.A. So it's just a real strong base out here, I would say, for all the schools, but especially for fam. We had a, a Be Out Day, too. We had Be Out Day. So that's, the, that's probably yeah. the biggest thing everybody saw recently was that uh, Janae, she did a Be Out Day. We've been talking about that since 2018, but finally made it happen. So it was a great turnout. Wow. Okay. So see, okay. So we got to go rapid question guys. One question each, because we know uh, we got to get uh, uh, artistic out of here. Um, we appreciate your time. 
this evening. So um, so I, I have I've I've had this thought. My my question is: Do you think that an HBCU classic can happen and survive and be uh, one of those one of those things that that becomes a destination game uh, in say? I'm just going to throw the Rose Bowl. FAMU Grambling in the Rose Bowl. What might that look like? FAMU Howard in the Rose Bowl. I'm just throwing schools and names out there. But but what's your yeah. thought on just the possibility of a classic in uh, L.A.? Funny enough, there was one in 2009. That might have been the first to last. I think it was Morehouse and Tuskegee. And it's a case of it just needs to be promoted better because those are some huge stadiums. And it's like – it makes sense easily in Orlando, Miami, because Florida is right there and we're, we're that deep. We, even with FAMU being, even if it's 500 of us out here, even if it's 500, you go to these 90,000 stadium, that's a huge difference. So it's a case of like, it just needs promo. It's possible because the thing is, you got to bring everybody. It's a whole thing. You have to bring all, all the high schools for one. We still have about eight to 10, I would say predominantly or even historically black high schools in LA, like Crenshaw Dorsey used to be. 90% black. Now they might be 45% black with the rest being Hispanic, but overall, you have to get the high schools involved. You have to get everybody involved. Radio stations, KJLH is owned by Stevie Wonder. Get him involved. And it has to be two schools with a big draw. FAMU has a big draw. Howard has a big draw. Grandma Southern have draws as well. But I would say um, it'll just take a, a, a collaborative effort and even getting celebrities involved, having a halftime show, like whoever is popping, having Lotto, having somebody like that who's attainable. Like Beyonce, obviously, you can't get Beyonce for it, but get somebody who's attainable, who will still draw a crowd, and then have somebody just giving tickets out to high schools, to YMCAs, just to fill up that stadium. Because that was an issue with the one that, that was in 09. It was a decent attendance, but they, they didn't make enough money to make it worth it, I guess. But I think it's definitely possible. Good point. Marcus, go ahead. I wanted to ask, I guess, do you get a chance with all your travels and and your schedule. Do you get a chance to keep up, keep up with things at FAMU? And will you get a chance to catch up with Xavier Smith now that he signed on for the Rams? Oh, yeah. So that. that's that's a lovely thing. So yeah, I'm always keeping up with sports and all that because, of course, my dad was there in the 60s. He, he tells the story every other week that they only <laughs> lost three games the whole time he was there in that Jake Gaither era. And he's always talking about Carlton Oates and all the uh, everybody who was there at that time. So I'm always keeping up with that. So I saw Xavier with the Rams. I'm pulling for him to make the actual squad. And if so, that's going to be dope as hell to see that. I'm hoping that if he makes it, we can have a FAMU night at the Rams game because my boys are DJ for the Rams too. So I feel like we can make that happen and he'll be shouting us out and everything. So, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Nice. Nice. Go ahead, Kelvin. I want to know what's professionally, what's your favorite event or artist you've worked with or, or done? thus far yeah. and then what is it that you would like to do that you haven't yet done i would say i would say two i would say just the my favorite uh celeb who i work with who's not an artist but my favorite celeb is of course Issa Rae. like everything i do for her from her uh her premieres to her wedding and birthdays like it's always a good time and she went to stanford but she's a type who's very pro hbcu crazy enough her costume design uh somebody else on her fashion size fam you um, she has uh, who else is family? She has even her publicist is Spellman. Like she has a lot of HBC connects. So I would say she's definitely one of my favorites. My favorite artist, I would say my favorite rapper ever is probably Snoop. So with that, being able to work with Snoop doing his uh, All Star party uh, out here, that was always that was a great time. It was a case of him playing all the old school music, and he was just like, you can play my stuff, you can play whatever you want to, we good. So 
definitely Snoop. And I would say as far as something that I haven't done yet that I would like to, as far as events go, I mean, of course, like the ultimate, ultimate goal would be like a Coachella type of thing where I have a whole whole main stage, being able to produce a whole show. As far as an artist, um, I DJ I DJ Club Renaissance and Beyonce was not there. Somebody did say her and Jay-Z popped up and just didn't say anything. I don't know if it's true or not, but if I could do something actually for her and Jay, where it was like actually their event, that would probably be like the, the peak, I would say. Wow, that's awesome, man. Hey, well, we appreciate your time. Let people know, yeah. obviously, outside of the, the website and uh, the social media uh, follows on Twitter and Instagram, uh, go ahead. I'm going to give the floor to you. Whatever you want to plug, whatever you want to let Rattler Nation know about, please take the time to do it. For sure. For sure. Yep, all my info is right there. So I'll be at home coming for sure. I actually need to call call uh, Rashad back to see about this Be Out Day Atlanta. I plan to be out there coming up in August. Um I'll be at Essence Fest next weekend, so I'm doing a party Friday I'll night. Okay, oh yeah, come through. Uh, Friday, I'm doing a party at Ace Hotel. Sunday, I'm doing a party with Manny Fresh called Henny and Waffles. So if you're in uh, New Orleans next week, definitely come out at me there. I'll be at homecoming. I know I'm doing Carpe Diem Friday. I have a party at night. I'm probably doing some things Saturday as well. So a lot of stuff coming up for homecoming. But yeah, follow me, Instagram, Twitter, DJRTISTIC. I also stream on Twitch. I'll probably be launching the throwback hip hop and an R&B show soon on Twitch. I have a West Side Wednesday show. I'm about to do in a few minutes every every single Wednesday, all West Coast music. So that's what it is. I appreciate y'all for having me on here. No, thank you, hey, my brother. Thank you. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Uh, you know, God bless everything you're doing. And uh, we, uh, you know, we're we going to keep trying to, to push it out. And I, I got one last question. One last question. What's yeah. the one song? <laughs> that you throw on like when you need to get it just ridiculously crunk just ex just get the crowd crazy what's the song yeah. that you might throw on what are you putting on the tables to just get everybody going it's probably the most universal and cross-generational is probably still juvenile back that thing up i think that's just the yeah. one that's just yeah no matter what the crowd is no matter how old it no matter where they're from that's, I think right. that's just the one that always works it's starting yeah, right. yeah. It's starting to be no hands though. No hands is creeping up on it. The Wale and Waka No Hands is coming up because it's 13 years old. And even even the kids know that one. So it's 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 probably song number two after that right now. Right. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, yeah. hey, uh uh, we appreciate your time. Everybody in Rattler Nation, make sure you shout out um DJ Artistic, make sure you're following him on all the social media angles. And then when you head out to the parties, make sure you throw yeah. at them fangs and let them know, get that fan you shout out when you see him out there. All right. You gotta represent yeah, yes, sir. Appreciate yeah. any, yes, sir. Any big up, yeah. big up Sam you every time. Yeah, so exactly. That's, the way. That's the way. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you. Of course. Though. I appreciate you having all right. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, DJ artistic, let's take a short break, right. come back with some more, talk uh you're watching the ong strike zone right here on the black college sports network we're gonna take a short break be back in just a moment when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Stride K-12 powered schools are ready to put over 20 years of being a leader in online education to work for you. Dive into curriculum design for the online classroom. Team up with state certified teachers nice. trained in virtual instruction. Take control of your child's education journey. Discover the power of personalized learning with a leader experienced in preparing kids for a future they can be excited about. Take charge. Stride K-12. Enroll now for the fall. All right, welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, Marcus, uh, again, got to thank DJ Artistic uh, for uh, jumping in and uh, joining us, man. Good job, Marcus, uh, doing a great job of, of booking that uh, as we we're continue to celebrating Black Music Month uh, with uh, artists and, you know, just uh, continuing with that theme. Uh, before we get back into the show, this is going to be a short segment. Because uh, coming up at the top of hour two, we're going to have uh, Coach Tyrone McGriff, Leon, uh, Leon High School uh, Coach Le- uh, Tyrone McGriff um, Jr. And so I uh, just want to let teachers, want to remind our teachers out there, whether you are a new or maybe you're about to become a teacher, whether you are an existing teacher, make sure to visit uh, mybcsn.net slash watch slash stride and uh, make sure to take advantage of the free resources that you can get from stride uh, if you are an educator and whenever you have an opportunity when you uh, go to the site and you see uh, anything that asks you how did you hear about it make sure you let them know that uh, it was through watching on the black college sports network and so that'll That'll uh, help a nice little referral that we just ask you to take advantage of. But, hey, even if you know a teacher, you got a teacher, give them that address. You know, help a teacher out because uh, I know coming up in about, oh, let me see. We're down to about, this is sad, fellas. I'm already counting down. Six weeks. I'm, I, I got six <laughs> weeks left of summer. <laughs> you know, I got to go back to work. So, you know, six weeks. So, yeah, be back on the grind. But anyway. Uh, speaking of uh, music, you know, kind of I'm jumping all over the place here. Um, the Marching 100 just got back from, I think they're back, uh, but they were in San Jose, California, I believe. That's correct. Anybody want to confirm that? That's correct. They were in California. I think it was San, was it San Jose or Santa Clara? Uh, maybe it was Santa Clara. Okay, Santa Clara. Santa Clara. Sorry, I don't have my uh, I don't have all my notes in front of me there, but I think it was Santa Clara uh, where the Heart Marching Hundred was a part of um, part of that Juneteenth uh, celebration uh, that took place out there. Um, so, and then we talked a little bit about it uh, last week. Uh, last week's show, of course, uh, with Victor Gaines to kind of give us some background on that. Um, Big news came out yesterday via the SWAC office. Hashtag SWAC news. Yes, Mary Mary says it was San Jose. So 
Were we all wrong? Were we all? What did I say? Was I right? It is San Jose. Yeah, I'm looking at the yeah. travel yeah, itinerary was... on Saturday. You guys, From 12 you guys to 7. Yeah, I'll send that to you. I appreciate that. Hey, um, but the, the news came out um, earlier from the swag. Hold on. I feel I feel this deserves the uh, proper uh, it's, yeah. it's proper give my, view here. Give yeah. my man his flowers. Mm-hmm. Yes, we, we do. We got to give him, give him his. And there he is. The Southwestern Athletic Conference Sports Information Director of the Year, Josh Padilla. Uh, congratulations to uh, Josh um, we 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 know the uh, we we see the work that Josh and his team and like I said I, I've had the pleasure of uh, working for him uh, in some capacity and you know trying to work with him and it's always a pleasure man it, it is great and he does so many great things and you know I'm, I'm excited to see. Uh, VP Sykes even acknowledge it. Um, e- I think even before the announcement of the award. But um, congratulations, man! It, it means, and there's a lot of good SIDs that are doing some some great work within the conference. So um, for for that award, uh, and I believe this is his third year, mm-hmm. third year at FAMU because I, I met him. At these, I think I, when he he was just starting when I met him in 2021. Uh, so this would be year number. This is going into year number three. So 2021 is when I met Josh at the SWAC media day, and uh, you know, uh, so I got you know got to meet him then, and just been really impressed with everything that that uh, he's done uh, since. So, yeah, he, he's a professional, does great work, groundbreaking work, you know, especially with the digital side, but while still maintaining and handling the uh, operational side of what SIDs do, uh, you know, so well-deserved. And then more importantly, he's a great guy, good people. Yeah. Not only is he professional, but, you know, he's someone, you know, that represents the university first class in every way with a very pleasant personality. You know, if he can make it happen, he's going to make it happen. If he can't make it happen, he's going to tell you that too. But he's he going he gonna to always, you know, err on the side of, uh, of the Rattlers. So uh, congratulations, Josh. And I, and I love the fact that uh, even in the, in the article there from the swag, he makes a point to acknowledge uh, all of the people within his department, um, uh, you know, and, and there are a lot of, a lot of them, a lot, a lot of students, but even a lot of, uh, um, recent young graduates, uh, who are, who are all there that have played a big role. And, and some of them are even, you know, receiving great praise and awards <laughs> for some of the work they're doing. And it's all come out of that department. It just carries on the, I, I feel like it carries on the string of great SIDs that FAMU has had. You know, I, I my first interaction with anybody was with uh, the Hall of Famer, 
you know, Alvin. And uh, but, you know, you learn through you learn through history before Alvin. There was other people. Uh, I think uh, Vaughn's I think Vaughn, Vaughn's father well, Vaughn later, but Vaughn's father, I believe, was a was a SID. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Roosevelt uh, Wilson. So mm-hmm. I, I learned that through just studying and hearing the history of FAMU. Um, and, and so it just there's a legacy of greatness within the sports information department at FAMU Athletics. That, if, if, if anything has been consistent and great in FAMU Athletics over the past 40-something years, it's been the sports information department. Some other things ain't always been great, and we all know. We don't have to say it, but what has been consistent through it all is the sports information directors. They have always done their job. So I, I feel like, you know, I'm saying this, I, you know, I'm not speaking, I'm putting words in Josh's mouth, but, but I'm, I'm sure there, there is Josh, you know, standing on the shoulders of greatness uh, of, of the people who were before him in that role. Fair to say? Yes, definitely. Yes. And I want to bounce a question off you guys. I've not had the opportunity to meet Josh, uh, unfortunately. But having an at VPAD who formerly has who has SID experience, do you expect that to be able to do you expect a little bit higher level of support or expect a higher level of support as it relates to expanding the staff and getting not to say that he didn't have it before, but having someone having been in that shoes are there oh i think um, it's coming expanded opportunities for him to to grow the grow the area even more perhaps have more leeway more leeway to do something expand okay i i think i think i mean you know kelvin i'll let you jump in after but i i think just the same way you saw what she did with compliance she started at her background is in she started as a sid Mm-hmm. So if anybody knows who, what Josh does and goes through on a daily is VP Sykes, right? Just like she understands what those compliance people have to do on a daily and knows what they need. So I would tend to think you gravitate towards, you know, you understand the key elements in certain departments. And, you know, I, I think, you know, I hope that 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 will help uh, down the line. Your thoughts, okay. Kelvin? I, I totally agree. People tend to gravitate to what they're familiar with. The other thing I think that would benefit the department and Josh particularly, but just fam, you in, in the athletic department, honestly, is the youth of both. I think that they embrace technology and you see it with Josh already, but they embrace technology, social media, you know, the revamping of the website with different fresh ideas younger ideas uh so i think all of that makes uh the content that they produce more relevant and is a better uh representation for the student athletes and the department so i like that also all right um moving moving on a little news and notes here before we hit the break um, did you see that Calvin uh, Ashley was just recently named a USFL All-Pro 
as a offensive line, as a center, excuse me, uh, or offensive lineman for the New Jersey Generals. Um, so those of you who aren't familiar, the USFL, uh, one of the two spring football leagues, I believe is just going into the playoffs this upcoming weekend. And so the regular season just ended. They played a 10-week regular season. And uh, he is in his, I believe, his second year with the Generals. This is the second year of the uh, USFL 3.0. And, or is it 4.0? I, I got to recall. I'm trying to remember here. Um, but anyway, congrats to uh, Calvin uh, on, on doing that. Uh, did you guys, did we see any other Rattlers playing in the USFL other than Calvin? I, and I hate that I didn't do enough research to to ask that or know that beforehand, but I, I just throwing it out there to you guys if you did or were aware. No one stands out right now, but I did get to watch a couple of the, the New Jersey general games and Calvin, and he was very consistent. Their offense was kind of run-centered, and um, he was a driving force behind that. They were, you know, pretty good at, at run, and I like the consistency he's shown. Of course, he has the size and the pedigree, I think, to actually make it in at the next level. I thought he, from all accounts, he was doing pretty decent when he was at Bucks camp until, you know, he kind of went away from that. But uh, it seems like everything is going well for him. He's in a good space emotionally and everything, and I'm, I'm rooting for him, man. If anybody deserves a shot at the next level, he does, and he's – taking a non-traditional way, but he's doing a good job with it. He's taking advantage of the opportunity he has. So kudos to him. Yeah. Um, the, those opportunities we we've seen already guys from the uh, XFL start to get invites to camps. Of course, their season ended what in early May. So those guys got early opportunities, but I, I but I definitely believe, as you get closer to fall camp, uh, once you get through this first ring of uh, uh, mini camps, that they're going to be they're they're going to be guys. They're going to be opportunities um, for for guys at the uh, USFL level. Um, I think I saw BJ Bowler was a part of the XFL HBCU camp that was taking place. Uh, this past weekend, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, and I yeah. saw some reports where he ran, I don't know if it was official or unofficial, 4.3540. I, I thought I saw that. I thought I saw that as well, 4.3 something. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's he, blazing. I know, I know. Somebody, Somebody's, somebody's going to give him a shot. It's, it's coming, it's coming, you know. I believe it's coming. Uh, also, another headline that... Uh, was uh you know recently and I, I I admittedly stirred the pot on this one so um the Southwestern Athletic Conference announced its 2022-23 SWAC commissioners honor roll members and FAMU had 151 student athletes on the list uh, to be a part of the SWAC commissioners honor roll uh student athletes have to have a cumulative GPA of 3.0 or higher during the fall 2022 and spring 2023 semesters. 
151. What what percentage of student student athletes do you think that is, guys? That's over 50. Uh, I want to say I want to say we're around uh, 300 student athletes right, uh, total scholarship. So that that's a buck over. Yeah. Okay. Good job. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, good good luck. Good, good job. I mean, there's a there's a great list. Many of the people that we know uh, that we've talked to on our show, you know, friends of the show. Uh, you know, I see I hear a, a Janiah Davis in here. Uh, I'm just scrolling through. I'm gonna start shouting out names and get in trouble for getting or forgetting somebody. So I probably should stop. That was just the first name I, I came across. <laughs> Uh, but but there's more. There's more here. So Naya Morgan. All right, I see her in there. Jeremy Musa. Anyway, let me stop. There's a, there's. A, I'm not gonna read the whole list. Now I will say the thing that I stirred the pot on, and and I just throw this out as sort of a grenade that I threw out there before. Uh, you know, back in 2020, I believe it was the NCAA uh, allowed a provision for colleges to award uh i guess what you could call you might want to call bonuses for lack of a better word mm-hmm. to for student athletes who their university deemed reached a high academic level which i'm going to presume would be a 3.0 or higher right so that amount was a maximum of just short of fifty three hundred dollars yeah it's about fifty two eight fifty three hundred something like that per student Right, right. And so there was a the latest report as of 2022, there were only and this was for division one programs, right? So they, they allowed they allowed the actual programs to give money to the students. Say so you that's allowable. You can give them a blanket of check for X amount of dollars up to that number. Only 21, I think the number was either 21 or 22 schools had taken advantage of that. And all of them, of course, were uh, power fives. Um, now, I did see a report that Alabama State had agreed to do something, although I, I haven't seen any follow-up articles and I have not seen any uh, actual number because, again, it's up to, meaning you don't have to give you could, if you just gave us, if, imagine if you just gave these students, these 151 students, $2,000 to say, hey, congratulations, here's a bonus of $2,000, you know? And, and I think my question was, how soon before FAMU is able to do something like this? Is this something that VP Sykes, is this something you would want to see VP Sykes do? Uh, we often hear her talk about improving the student athlete experience. Is this something that would fall under that category? Thoughts, gentlemen, before we go to break? Go ahead, Marcus. Uh, I saw when this first came out, and I thought it was, I think it's noble to do, and it does serve to meet, I guess, the mission of any academic institution we would have to put some things in place in terms of revenue. This is just my thoughts, not knowing all the how the sausage is made, but some things in place that would help to make sure that we have the funds in order to do that. And 
we have to and she would have to create the infrastructure or enhance the infrastructure that exists such that we have a continual pool of money in order to make those rewards and establishing the criteria upon which the money is bestowed. So I, I think it's a good idea, but it's we need to take it from the paper, you know, basically take it from concept to something that we can do realistically on a consistent basis. Calvin? It's the it's the wave of the future. It's, it's, it's where people are going. So uh, absolutely, we need to have a plan for that. And that plan must include funding and, and endorsing. And I know at some point in a later segment, or uh, even next week, we're going to talk about uh, uh, a report that came out that kind of talk about how the sausage, sausage is made in terms of revenues and expenses with the NCAA uh, revenue expense report that came out in the U.S. A today report. I'm I'm really excited to get into that, um, but uh, but I think there's opportunity there, and we just got to plan for it and then execute it. I'm gonna go even one step further. Imagine if FAMU had its, if we had a collective. Here's an NIL opportunity for these students, these 151s, not, you know, to be able to, you know, if, if you had your collective, as a, the, the way that I'm seeing these collectives work, right, this is an opportunity where uh, a collective is possibly kicking out money uh, for, you know, even if it were a thousand per, what's a, what's a thousand dollars times 151? What is that? Are we at a, is that 151? 151,000. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I, I just was looking at a, a collective for a university on the West Coast, uh, Pac-12, soon to be Big Ten um, school, that was having a luncheon. And they were, it was, it was like $10,000 a plate. And it was a luncheon for that was going to be featuring like offensive linemen or something. I don't know. It was, I was just looking at the flyer and I was like, huh? I was like, it's $10,000 a plate and I'm not even getting the quarterback or the running back. It's the <laughs> offensive lineman. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, but Hey, okay. That's a straight money grab, you know, but that's the kind of stuff. That's what, that's what's happening out here with these collectives. I mean, you, you got to be careful, though, and watch it because the NCAA and some of the Power 5 schools are pushing back hard and trying to go to the uh, Senate and trying to get a national kind of playbook to get pushed through what they couldn't get through, pushed through through the NCAA. And, and don't forget, they have a uh, politician now who's the head of the NCAA, who was a former, I think, mayor or governor somewhere in Massachusetts. Yeah, so, I think so. Yes. So, and he's he's uh doing the old playbook, and, and so the IRS came out with a statement that all the ones, all those NIL collectors who uh had like uh what the the five hundred one C or whatever. Yes. That uh they were you know that, that those collectors didn't count to in terms of being tax deductible. Oh. So 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 now they they're looking like they're gonna tax jokers for, for 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 those collectives when it's just athletics involved so so you know it's tricky it's still new it's still inconsistent so you 
you got to watch the landscape and let all this play out and figure out what what the rules are because there really ain't no rules right now. Nobody, you know, it's different, but different places. I I I I felt even when this all started that people were worried about NIL. And I said, well, wait until the IRS decides to get involved or wait until people have to start filing taxes on this mm-hmm. money that you're getting. That's when you're going to find out, you know, what is, what isn't, what you can and can't do. Um, what are the ramifications and how this is going to hold up? Now I applaud those organizations that have, you know, tax considerations or whether it be even 1099s, but the companies that the, the collectives, I call them, companies, the collectives that offer tax advice to their student athletes. That's that's thinking forward. That's like, you know, it's coming. You can't avoid you can't even you can't even win over six hundred dollars at Vegas and not have to deal with the tax man. I mean, you know, so if if they if they'll tax you on gambling and winning money, then, you know, it, it's coming with the NIL. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not surprised uh, at all. Uh, to see that happen. So uh, any other discussions, any other thoughts on that guys, or can we go to a break and then try to see uh, we kind of, if we can't catch up with our guest, we can go right into the nominations for the ONG awards. Uh, any other thoughts or discussion on this? No, we'll, we'll pick it up later. Mm. All right. Sounds good to me. Well, we're going to try to find our guest and see if uh, we, we got uh, coach, we can get coach McGriff on and if not, we will end up with a uh, starting early uh, with the nominations and show you guys our thoughts on our nominations list for the ONG Awards. Make sure to stick in there. Stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone right here on the Black College Sports Network. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watts and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, Marcus here. And um, we are hopefully soon going to be joined by uh, Coach Tyrone McGriff, Jr. Uh, Hopefully we get a chance to uh, chat with him. But um, let's see, anything new in the uh, chat? Yeah, um, Kylan Chavis dropped a nugget to let us know. Savion Williams is with the Pittsburgh Maulers in the USF, uh, USFL. Um, let's see. What else we got? I uh, got to give a shout-out to uh, Coach Moore. 
Dolly Moore jumped in. Uh, good to see you in there, Coach. Dr. Darlene Moore. Oh, doctor. Okay. Doctor. Doctor Coach. <laughs> Darlene Moore. That's right. Um, more shout outs for uh Josh Padilla. Good to see you. Thanks for jumping in there, Scotty. Uh Josh being one of the best in the business. Uh so appreciate that. And uh those of you who, if you don't know already, you can find Josh personally. I'm giving out his Twitter handle. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you'll appreciate that. But it's already out there. I think it's uh, at Westside Diddy, D-I-D-D-Y. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's where you can find him on social media, on Twitter specifically. I don't know about IG and all the other stuff, but I know you can reach him there. So let's get into the ONG Award. So this is our own uh, dedication to Florida A&M athletics, student athletes, uh, coaches, teams, memorable experiences, support staff, assistant coaches, all of it. I think we've come up with some great categories here. Uh, So just to go through the categories, uh, we have the female most memorable moment of the year, uh, male most memorable moment of the year. We have female athlete of the year and male athlete of the year. We have the women's sport coach of the year. Again, let's clarify. That's the women's sport coach of the year. We have the men's sport coach of the year. Uh, We have the uh, women's sport team of the year. Men's sports team of the year. We have our sports administrator of the year. We have our support staff of the year. We even went support staff on them. Love the love that. Uh, we have the assistant of the year for women's sports. And we have the assistant of the year in men's sports. Now, the one thing we don't have on here, which I, you know, uh, we we I said we would talk about this and figure out how we would incorporate this. And I give a shout out to uh Tamara, uh Tamara T for yeah. uh jumping in and giving us some ideas because we can't have the ONG awards and not have something dedicated to uh, our, our friend, our brother, Kofi Hemingway. So trying to figure out which award title we, we can come up with. And, and here are some of her recommendations. Okay. We have the uh, Kofi Hemingway sixth man or woman of the year. Uh, the Kofi Hemingway Most Spirited Rattler Award. Hmm. Uh, Kofi Hemingway Outstanding Athlete. The Kofi Hemingway Community Servant Award. And another idea, the Kofi Hemingway Award for Valor and Integrity. Uh, any any of those jump off the the page for you for you guys? Uh, the second one, I don't remember the title, but the second one, Kind of spirit rattler, yeah, yeah, stirred up my spirit a little bit. Yeah, just just Kofi personality, it would have Mm. to be something to deal with spirit or service because he uh he was both. 
Okay. Okay. Um, I was also looking at the, I, I thought I liked that one as well. I also like the community servant, the, uh, yeah. I, I'm kind of falling in line with you guys. Even, uh, even Scotty dropped in and said, he liked the, uh, award. So, Maybe that's what we, we and we so now we got to come up with some nominations now for the uh, Kobe Hemingway Most Spirited Rattler Award. Um, so <laughs> look at Bull, Bull, uh, who got the belt whipping award? Hey, hey. <laughs> Right. You, you did that. You did that with that one. Yeah, you did that one right there, Bull. You, you did that one. Who gets the belt award? Exactly. Yes. Hey, and we got to roll with that one. Oh, man. We got to. Yeah. Well, I, I think we know who might get it for that year. But anyway, uh, 22, 20, <laughs> I just try to figure out who's going to present it. I, I, you know, who's got the guts to go and present that one? But anyway, I'm, this, <laughs> well, let's put the knob. We'll get the nominations together. Uh, so you guys in the chat rooms. Uh, so, so we need some nominations for the um, Most Spirited Rattler Award. And then who gets the belt? Who gets the belt award? Uh, anyway, yeah. All right. Let's start with <laughs> – all right. I appreciate that. Bull, Bull said he's going he's gonna to work on that. Work on that. We, we appreciate it, Bull. We, we appreciate the, the work. Um all right, and so what we're gonna do, we're gonna try to, we're gonna try to figure out. Uh, we, we lost Kelvin there. Um, I'll bring him back here in just a second. Um, we're gonna, we're gonna. I'm still working on a way to put this out. So we want to find out from you. Besides, we don't want this to be our vote. You guys watch our show. Um, your FAMU fans, you, you follow these, and you've been following along with us all year. Uh, we're going to put this out in a way in which you guys can help us vote. And then based on the votes, we'll award um, a, the winners. So this is this is our our show's awards. And, and you guys who, who watch us and have been watching on a weekly basis and supporting us, uh, this is as much your awards as it is ours. So uh, let's start. Okay, here we go. We got Kelvin back. All right. Let's start with the category uh, under female most memorable moment of the year. So, again, unfortunate. Uh, so, you guys hang in here. Uh, these are nominations. So, if we leave a if we leave a moment out, let us know in the chats. If we leave a moment out, let us. Well, hold on before we do that because I think we got we're gonna have our coach coming in here in a second. So, I'll just uh, I'll just throw it out here. Nah, I'll save it. I'll save it. I'll wait till after the interview. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to muddy it here in a second. So we'll just kind of hang tight for a moment. Let Coach uh, log in here. And again, we're going to be talking to uh, Coach Tyrone McGriff, uh, who is a head coach at uh, Leon High School and the son of Black Huddles Football Hall of Famer. Tyrone McGriff, who was just recently inducted into the Black College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, McGriff, um, who uh, died of a heart attack in 2000, 
uh, was at FAMU, an All-American from 1976 to 79. Part of those great years in which uh, that team won, let's see, a co-Black College National Championship, a outright Black College National Championship, probably two of them, uh, because yeah. the third one would have been the third one would have been the uh, the year in which they actually were the Division One AA national champions. So I, I can't see how they weren't Black College National Championships champions that year. But they also the previous year, which was the '77 team, uh, and then of course the '79 team was the team that defeated uh, Miami uh, in in Started Tallahassee. Off five and zero. Oh. Started off five and zero. Oh. The, the season, and they lost their quarterback. Yeah. Okay. So that's what happened. All right. Yeah. yeah. Lost their quarterback and uh, didn't end the way it started, but uh, they still knocked off Miami that season. That game against Miami was that earlier in the season. Yeah, it was like game number four or five. Okay. All right. So, um, and then of course. Um, I I came across um, some good articles, uh, previous articles that were written about uh, McGriff. Um, one uh, nice article from the, uh, and I want to make sure I, I, I give them their proper credit. Um, was the was it the Miami Community Newspapers from South Florida. Um, And so the opening paragraph starts off by saying, did you know Florida A&M was the first university in the Sunshine State to win a college football national championship? Among the great players in FAMU history was Tyrone McGriff. Uh, And they happen to have a picture that Rick Crawford, uh, submitted and took. Uh, of course, if you don't follow Rick Crawford, then you're missing out on FAMU history on his Twitter handle because uh, Rick, he just, he takes it back. He's got some great photos and does a great job of, especially on Thursday. I mean, it's almost like uh, like clockwork. You can find out some good FAMU history from back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, so he they have a photo that he took of McGriff and teammate Bobby Hawkins celebrating a 31-7 victory in the 78 Orange Blossom Classic held at the Orange Bowl. Uh, FAMU would go on to capture the first Division I AA National Championship with a 35-28 victory over Massachusetts later in that game. All right, I think we've got Coach on. So let's go to our guest and uh, joining the show right now. Uh, head coach, Leon High School, right there in Tallahassee, Florida. Coach Tyrone McGriff. Coach, thanks for joining us tonight. How you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm sorry, running a little bit late. I'm still here at the field house, as you can see. So, um, just a lot of work. How, how are you all guys doing? Hey, we, we're doing well, Coach. Doing we, good. We know, I, look, I know what summers are like for high school coaches, and and for football, is it's no sleep because you you guys, the season is right around the corner. Mm-hmm. So thanks for taking some time tonight. Thank you, Mike. 
Are we still there? Yeah, I know. I know. We we got you. Uh, is that me? Can you can you? Yeah, we we got you. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm in the field house. So. Yes, sir. I I'm, know, in, I'm in the field house. Hey, so, so uh, I, how 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 are you doing? How's the how's the summer been for you? I've seen on social media. I've seen some videos. You you've been taking players. I, I think we're to Florida. You've done some stuff at Florida State. How's the summer been for you so far in your program? Uh, actually, pretty good. We, of course, we you know we work out every evening. Um, guys have been pretty committed. Um, we we spent the last two weeks going to different colleges on their for their seven on seventeen camps, getting our guys exposed to to um, to competition outside of Tallahassee. You know, I think it's necessary if we want to build a program that our guys understand. You know what's outside of Tallahassee. So um, we've been doing pretty well. We did very well at Florida State. Uh, lost in semis. Um, and, you know, I, I think we could have done a little bit better. We had uh, our, our – we were down in our depth chart on the defensive backside. Um, and then we turned around um, that same week and played in in the 7-on-7 seven, seven seven championship at FAMU's uh, camp. Uh, and then last week we were at University of Florida and UCL and uh, were extremely competitive and did some very, very good things there, opened up some eyes. So I'm, I'm happy with the progress of our guys. Um, speaking of seven on seven, it seems to that it has uh, become um, a, a great tool or vehicle for for offenses and, and probably defenses as well. How has seven on seven changed? How has seven on seven changed uh, high school football and, and maybe even college football? Yeah, um, I think seven on seven gives. Um, football players an opportunity to play year round, um, which in the past that wasn't really the case, right? Football season was football season. Then you went off to basketball, baseball, track, or whatever ever sport you were playing, wrestling. Um, and now a lot of guys are playing football year round. I think receivers are running a whole lot better routes. Uh, quarterbacks are, of course, you can look at the NFL level. You have a lot of rookie quarterbacks coming in ready to play. On the college level, you have a lot of freshman quarterbacks coming in ready to play because they're throwing the ball and they're getting that timing. And you got a lot of receivers that are more advanced in their route running ability. Um, however, it's still not regular football. <clears throat> so the the contact part of it, you can never, uh, you know, substitute you know that car crash that happens, right? Because it's a car crash. So I think in some regards, I think offensively, it's advancing the game to a degree that um, we, we never saw coming. I think defensively, it's creating a lot of poor habits and tackling. Um, and it's creating a lot of poor habits that um, sometimes for quarterbacks, too, because you don't have the pressure um, of a rush. You don't have to get in your drop. You, it's, it's changing up the, the dynamics of a game a little bit. So, you know, you have good seven-on-seven -seven coaches that don't manipulate the game to a degree that it's not football. So, like, you know, I've played against teams in seven-on-seven -seven where they're literally lining up the running back next to the center, and and that's not real football. You know, uh, you're sending running backs on go routes out the backfield. That's not real football because it's too, so much traffic up in there. You're, you're not really doing that to that degree. And so you, you have some coaches are celebrating the success in seven-on-seven, manipulating the game to a degree that it's not real football. 
I think we have to be extremely careful about that on the high school level because some areas don't don't change the game up that much, right? And when you can build a program around real football, that changes and that 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 changes the dynamic of your team. Um, you have big guys. I, I call my big guys. You should be jazzy, fat, and nasty on the line, right? You should have that that type of mentality. And when you're playing football, it's played in the trenches. Like we can't substitute the trenches. That trench game is is completely different. But with the onset of seven on seven really picking up, it's really changing the mindset of a lot of football players. You even got big. You got big three hundred pound linemen buying speed speed vapors for cleats because they're seeing these. 707 guys, and I'm like, man, I'm telling my guys, hey, don't don't come here, man. I need you in some big, nasty high tops. Get dirty. You know what I mean? Don't come out here in these speed vapors. You run a five forever, and uh, you're trying to wear these speed vapors, man. But So it's some good things and some bad things. <laughs> I love that. Honest answer. I appreciate that, Coach. Oh. Kelvin, go ahead. So, Coach, you were on the administration side at a pretty successful program, and you decided to jump in to the uh, coaching ranks again uh, as a head coach, and you did so at a program that used to be the winningest program in the nation uh, in Leon, and you, you're trying to build it back up because, you know, they've been down for, for the last few day, uh, years now. But um, what was it that made you want to get back into just being a coach, number one, and then why was why Leon? And then tell me uh, your plans for for building that tradition back. Man, that's a that's a uh, man. That's a long answer, honestly. Um, so the the first thing is, uh, you know, I was working my like you said, administration. I kind of uh, worked my way out of athletics at Florida High, um, and sometimes the money that isn't where your heart is. And athletics has always been my heart. Um, and um, I was still over uh, all the athletic ventures, and Coach Robinson was the AD, but Coach Robinson was really doing a great job in taking over and, and making sure, you know, we continued on the progress that we, what we were going on with the athletic department. Um, and then I started raising money for the school. And, um, you know, it was great doing that. Uh, I got involved with the CTE program, career technical education. Um, and, you know, a lot of people don't know I have a – a specialist degree in ed leadership. And, um, you know, so it was, it, that, that was great. Um, however, sports is always, has always been my platform. And I'm saying my platform because it's, it's bigger than sports. Sports is just the platform that God gave me to use to, to uh, touch as many people as I can. And um, honestly, I knew Leon's history outside of just football. And, you know, um, if, if you're familiar with Tallahassee, um, you know Leon's history. Um, you know what zones Leon pulls from. Leon, you know, we're, we're very eclectic. Um, we have what we call D-Block, which is, you know, uh, Day Street and all, all that 4th Ave and, and that section. We get Lake Jackson, and then people don't know we also pull from Houghton Street. And um, as a as a kid that came from, uh, you know – I've lived a very eclectic life. My dad passed away in ninth grade. And so I knew what life was like without, with a father. I knew what life was like without a father. And I knew what expectations my dad put on me and how, how important education was. 
And then I also knew everything I heard about Leon and the student population here. And to be completely honest, I wanted to build something up at Leon the same way I built something up at Florida High and touch kids and get be a, a representation for kids that it is like I'm I, I'm just like you all, you know. Um, and I think that's important to to you know I you know in this day and age, like they say, representation matters. Um, you know, I'm not really the type that's going to go out and wave a flag and, and do all those different things. I just want to show you by example every day who I am and show our kids like, hey, uh, you know, I'm a I'm a black male that's highly educated, that knows sports, that was good in football, I, I would say, that used football as an avenue to you know, get a degree, then I use sports to get multiple degrees. And that's what that's what sports are supposed to do. So that's really why I came to Leon was I knew I could relate to the student population versus black and both black and white. Um, and I knew that I would make a big difference for these students here. That's a that's an honest and deep answer, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate y'all. Marcus, go ahead. Uh, good evening, Coach McGriff. Um, I guess my question kind of ties into Kelvin's question. With a lot of the rule changes in FSA, I guess FHSAA, including transfer rules, and I think I saw something recently, and I'd have to go back and look about um, kids who are homeschooled or something around that. With all the changes since you were in high school, since you've been involved in it, what is the biggest challenge in building a pro building the program back at Leon? Oh man, that that's actually I'm fighting that every day. I think the biggest challenge is probably um, the if I'm being completely honest, the the mindset of our athletes and the parents right now, and you know with with choices you have more opportunities to make mistakes with choices, right? And um, those mistakes can be influenced by people that don't know, right? And so, for example, a lot of people heard of me, but they don't know me. So if somebody else can get to a, a middle school athlete before they can get to know me, they can influence them to go somewhere else. And wherever they're going, they may or may not have their best interest in mind. Really, to tell you the truth, ultimately, they want them because they can run high, run fast, jump high, and hit hard, or they're strong. But it's a whole lot more than that. You know, it's a whole lot more to a kid's development than just what they do on the football field. And I think a lot of times now, people are influenced by somebody making them feel good. Right, somebody giving them something that it's it's almost like that self-esteem. I mm. I can tell you how great you are. I can tell you what I can do for you, and it's yeah. I think that that opportunity to go somewhere where they just make me feel good, and that we have to be. I, I think that's very dangerous in society because a lot of times people go places that just make them feel good. People do things that just make them feel good, even though it's not in their best interest. And so I think now with the onset of seven on seven 
and coaches that can influence kids at a younger age to say, hey, you know, I can do this for you or, hey, you've been playing seven on seven for me. Come play for me here. Like that's that's a huge influence for these kids. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that they don't have the best interests in mind. But I've, I've talked to many like I'm the only coach in Leon County that's also a part of their administrative team because I have a specialist degree in ed leadership. And I'm talking to kid parents and they're saying, uh, you know, you know, it's about education. And I said, okay, so what made you choose this school? Uh, you know, instead of coming to your home school, which is probably Leon. And they're like, well, you know, it's about education. I'm like, well, okay, tell me what you know about me. And they can't tell me anything. I'm like, well, do you, you do realize that I'm an administrator out here? Oh, I didn't know that. But you told me it was about education. So it wasn't about education. It was about somebody making you feel good about your choice because you really didn't look into your choices. And so I think with school choice, whoever can build that relationship first has a leg up. Um, and that's hard for me because I'm not really in the business of manipulating kids. I don't, I don't, and, and that, that's extremely hard for me because that means I have to go down to a middle school game and tell a kid that I can do something for him more than what somebody else can do. And that's not really the case. I don't know what I can do better for him than somebody else because I'm not trying to use kids. You know, I, I honestly, to tell you the truth, uh, I went to school and got my education so I can help kids, not so I can use them. And so I think that's what's going on a whole lot around here. And that's what's going on a whole lot around the state. And I think um, it's going to come a time for me that hopefully people see that I'm genuine and this is what I really stand for. But if not, it will be, it'll, you know, down the road, then we'll have to make a choice if, if wins don't start to collect, which I'm pretty sure wins are going to collect because it's about development. Um, that, you know, you, you got to barbecue a meal, dude. You know, um, yeah. and I, I don't want to compromise who I am as an individual just to win games. Thank you, Coach. Coach, I, I know anybody that talks with you or if they don't know already, they're going to get truth. Uh, and, and I can already <laughs> sense that in a, in a short conversation, you're going to get honest truth uh, in, in every answer. And uh, we appreciate that, man. That That is uh, it's refreshing. It's refreshing, especially in the coaching industry. Um, let's go to your years at, at FAMU. You were um, um, a four-year starter, uh, captain uh, for people. Uh, obviously, you know, we, we understand the legacy. So you're a legacy rattler. But, but talk a little bit about coming into FAMU and your experience uh, playing with the last name McGriff. Talk a little bit about what that was mm -hmm. like for you. Yeah, I mean, it was special, man. I, it was it was an experience that really molded me the rest of my life. Um, a lot of people, you know, of course, they know my dad, but they don't know that my my, my mother's father was an all-conference player at FAMU as well, uh, Colonel Rollins. Um, and, and coincidentally, him and my dad wore the same number at FAMU. Um, so a, a lot of people don't know that. Um, but, you know, FAMU really meant a lot to me. Um, you know, when I decided to go to FAMU, it was because of that legacy. And, um, you know, like I think, like what Coach Simmons is doing now, I had other choices, uh, you know, FAU, FIU, UCF, and those types of schools. But, you know, and especially now, they, they weren't at the level that they're at right now. And I said, if, if I'm going to go anywhere, it, I'm going to go to FAMU. 
you know, um, I think the only schools, there was a handful of schools that could have probably came in the mix and, and made me reconsider, but it really wasn't like if it, there wasn't really a choice, but, you know, ever since I was young, my, my grandfather, my grandfather and grandmother told me, you know, you got, you got several choices. They told me I can go to FAMU. They told me I can go to Florida A&M. And then they told me that I can go to Florida Agriculture and Mechanical University. And um, that was, it was kind of a no brainer. But then at, once I got there and the love I got from like Coach Bogan, Coach Billy Joe and all those guys. And then I think it helped a little bit that I can play football just a little bit. Um, and I felt at home, um, you know, that, that experience was great. I, I've played with some great teammates. Uh, my professors at FAMU uh, really molded me and helped me, you know, understand the bigger picture. Um, I do wish that, you know, we had more resources at FAMU to keep up with some of the larger schools. Um, but I do understand that that's a little bit more difficult coming from schools with uh, limited resources. Um, and hopefully over time, um, we can address uh, getting those additional resources, and, and and it's a bigger it's a bigger um, issue than what people think. It has it has more so to do with the direction of the university than the athletic department. Yeah. Well said. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Calvin, go ahead. So I know that you know you were in a, in Atlanta. I think it was. Uh, the Hall of Fame induction, you were around a lot of other great Rattlers representing um, for your dad, who was indoctrinated to the Hall of Fame. Just talk about that experience, what it means, what it was like being in that room with all those legends. Many, some of those Rattlers, especially, but no, many of, of them actually had uh, played with or against your dad or and so forth. So and, and if you got a good story, you can share that, too. Yeah, man, that was, let me tell you, that was amazing for me because I grew up watching Nate Newton, right? And my dad made me, like, my my dad and my my, uh, my granddad didn't play about FAMU. And what I mean by FAMU, I'm not talking about the, the physical location. I mean, if you were a Rattler, you were like, hey, watch him. Watch him and play like him because they knew what was what was bred from that. So uh, anytime Earl Holmes was playing, anytime Nate Newton was playing, anytime Jamie Nails was playing, um, Robert Wilson and so many others, I was I, it wasn't a choice. I had to watch them. So, you know, the, that was my first time actually uh, meeting uh, uh, Nate Newton. My dad used to call him Big Nate. Um, and that was my first time. And uh, just the stories and just, the you know, I was humbled to – to be around him, but then I can tell the respect that, that I think that they, they, my dad and him had mutually have for each other because it, the, they, they spoke about each other. You know, I can remember how my dad spoke about uh, Nate Newton and the way that he spoke about my dad, it was very similar. And so that was a humbling experience for me to be, you know, having a conversation with someone that spoke about my dad in the same manner that my dad spoke about him. Um, and, and then of course, all the other HBCU legends that were there, um, it was extremely humbling. And, um, you know, I, I, it was probably one of the best experiences of my life. Congratulations on that too. Yes, sir. Yeah. That, 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 if you don't get it next year, if you, have you all gone to it yet? I have no. not. I have not. 
you got to go, man. Like I'm going next year. Like I'm being dead serious, man. It 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 is uh, top notch. Um, great great ceremony. Great speakers. Um, I didn't know what to expect. Um, some very like yeah, of course you had the HBCU legends, but you had a lot of NFL owners there. You had a lot of NFL GMs. And then I think the other humbling experience was like to be in that in that area and they know you. And it's not like, hey, you know, yeah, let me introduce me. Like they know you and they know stuff about you that you didn't know they knew. Right. You know? <laughs> and so that was um that was humbling. Awesome. Marcus, go ahead. Uh, Coach McGriff, I wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, FAMU currently. Uh, what, how excited are you about seeing the resurgence of FAMU under Coach Willie Simmons? And what can you take from what he's done at FAMU and apply to resurrecting the program at Leon High School? Yeah, um, I, I think Willie Simmons is is hands down a gift for us, man. Like it's, he, we couldn't ask for a better coach. Um, I, I do think that he's probably one of the most underrated coaches in the nation right now um, because of the gifts that we've kind of bestowed upon him from a young age. I think he was bred for this position. Um, hopefully we keep him for a couple more years, but I do want to see him get his respect on the national level. Um, one thing that I take is really to tell you the truth, I, I can – uh, Coach Simmons is is politically astute, um, and while also applying uh, football knowledge to the game of football, because you have some football coaches that are politicians, and then you have some football coaches that are just football coaches and not politicians. Coach Simmons is both, and that that right there is a jewel because you don't get that very often. Um, it's very hard to get that. Uh, Coach Billy Joe was you know was similar um, politician and football minded. Um, I think usually when you're looking at those coaches like that, what you're looking at, and I'm just going to go ahead and say it, is somebody that's extremely intelligent. Um, and so I think we just need to respect his intelligence and respect his mind while we have him. Um, and I try to mimic that um, by just, you know, he, he's very, um, he makes the right moves in terms of his, his, uh, his uh, hires. Uh, putting a staff together that yeah. is respected, uh, getting guys that are aggressive in the recruiting process, uh, getting guys that have respect down in that um, Miami-Dade County area, that Broward County, Palm Beach County. He has those ties in there where we can go down there and get some very good football players. Uh, of course, he's tied into the Big Ben area. And, uh, of course, uh, Devin Rispers is tied in around here. And then you have Coach Smitty, who's from Taylor County. And so we're really getting, you know, I, I think that type of talent that's kind of you know, those tweeners trying to figure out, you know, if they're going to go to a group of five school or go to an FCS school. I think we're blending those guys because of those connections. And that's something that Coach Billy did really well when he was here, especially at transfer portal. Coach Billy was the king of the transfer portal before the transfer portal ever happened. That's right. That's you know, right. and a lot of people don't want to acknowledge that. You know, Coach Billy set the mold. Um, for that, um, and I, I believe we've kind of revisited that era of getting guys from from you know Division One schools. Uh, Coach Billy was already doing that. You know, this is nothing new. I think everybody was talking about Dion doing that. Coach, Coach Billy was doing that. You know what I mean? Like, um, 
And so there's always somebody that came before. And uh, Coach Billy did that. And then now we got Coach Simmons, who hopefully uh, we can continue to support. And, um, and of course, I'm going to continue to mimic. Um, Coach, uh, look, I know we appreciate your time. I know it's late. Um, so I, I just want to kind of get a, a final word from you and, and, and give you kind of the last word uh, to, to promote or, or, or let, you know, anything you want to, but, but just maybe if you would share, share a thought, um, you know, as we, as we celebrate your dad, um, going into the black college football hall of fame, along with, by the way, people who may not know also a part of the college football hall of fame, the FAMU hall of fame, uh, did I leave any hall of fames out? No, I think, I think that's it. We're, we're hopefully we can get into the Florida hall of fame next and we'll see how that goes. Right. And, and uh, three, three time, three time All-American uh, part of a uh, part of those great teams in the late seventies, but maybe share, share uh, with, with Rattler nation, maybe a thought or, or something uh, that, that you can recall, you know, as you, as you thought about uh, that weekend and going into that weekend, maybe something your dad shared with you that you can share with us. And, and then of course, any, any final words that you want to want to give. Yeah, um, I, I mean, my dad was, uh, if, if anybody knew my dad, my dad was huge on HBCU football and HBCU schools in general. Um, he kind of really dedicated himself to making sure he exposed it, whether it was him on the high school level, exposing his players to HBCUs or just coaching on the HBCU level on a consistent basis. Um, you know, that, that was extremely important to him. I think right now, uh, I just ask that everybody stays involved with FAMU stays locked in with what's going on. I think our athletic department is in great hands. Um, I think our school is in great hands, but I think, you know, I think a lot of times, um, I just want to kind of share this. And when we start talking about the re limited resources and how limited resources actually happen, um, the, the, the schools that we offer has to be at the forefront of any university because that gives our alumni a chance to make more money, right? And so, um, you know, pharmacy, the School of Pharmacy, School of Business, those schools, uh, our law school, those, those alumnus graduate making more money. And then when you can graduate making more money, you have the opportunity to turn around and give the school more money. Um, and so, yes, it's about the athletic department, but it's also about the direction of the school. And I just... Really, and I know I have to do a better job of staying tapped in with the alumni base and and especially with all um, the the local changes around here in the city. You know, we have College Town and I think we've uh, as a as a university, we're missing out on money um, and we, we have to start capitalizing off of the money around Tallahassee and, and stop stop watching Florida State do it and then getting mad after they do it. So, you know, uh, Florida State's Alumni Association really put in a lot of money into college town. Well, I, I believe that it's time for FAMU to start uh, venturing out in our real estate and uh, protecting the land that's around FAMU, uh, trying to make money off of the real estate around FAMU, because that then in turn goes right back into the alumni, it goes right back into the, the fan base, it goes right back into the athletic department. That's how you build an empire. 
And so we too often sit there and we watch other people, you know, we use the term gentrification. We watch other people do that. And I think um, if I had to encourage anybody to do anything, let's get involved with the local real estate. Uh, Let's make sure that FAMU's Alumni Association is really involved in that part. So that money can go back into the athletic department and we can increase the amount of resources that we have to keep good coaches like Willie Simmons here. Preach, preach. He preaches in the quiet. Coach, preach. Coach, preaching tonight. Hey, uh, Coach, let people know where they can find you on social and so they can uh, they can keep up with you, keep up with your program, and, and just show you love and support. Oh, yeah, man. Um, so, um, of course, I'm always on social media. Uh, on Twitter, let me make sure I don't, don't get this wrong. It's McGriff underscore Tyrone on uh, Twitter and Instagram. I uh, try to make them make sure they match. And then, of course, Tyron McGriff on Facebook. And then you can follow the football program at Leon Lions Football on Twitter and Instagram. Um, you know, we, we love the, the followers. Uh, and, of course, I, I love my FAMU people following me. So uh, hopefully I can get some more kids from FAMU over here. And uh, we can have a little pipeline, a little dynasty. And then, of course, make sure, you know, uh, they're getting everything they need in life. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, hey, uh, Coach, again, congratulations to you and your family. Uh, thank you for taking time out tonight. Um, Thanks. Uh, honest, great conversation, Coach, man. I, again, I, if, if someone didn't say you were a rising star, you, you, you definitely are. So uh, I, I see that a mile away. So uh, congratulations. Best of luck to you the rest of the summer. And, uh, man, we, we'll look out for Leon in the fall, see, see what kind of damage you guys do around Tallahassee this year. What oh, classification yeah, man, man. are you guys, by the way? So, what, what you know, Florida, we're 4S now. So, Florida, okay. uh, Florida, uh, so, class, okay. classifications, you have uh, 1A, well, you have 1R, which is one rule, and then you have 1S through 4S, and then you have 1M through 4M, which is the metro um, classifications. But I, I do have to do this plug. I, If you want to see a fast team, you got to come check out Leon. I can't guarantee okay. you. I never guarantee wins. I don't guarantee my guys wins. Right. I can tell you we're going to be fast, we're going to be aggressive, and we're going to play assignment football. But I don't think there's a faster team in the area right now. Man, we got some fast kids out here. Ooh, okay. That's a lot of talent up there in Tallahassee. So that you're mm-hmm. saying something. If you're saying you got yeah. the fastest team, that's that's saying something. All right. And we got some we got All some right, burners. <laughs> All right. Okay. Hey, all right, Coach, take care, hey, uh, and uh, thank, you, thank you again for your time tonight. Good luck to you guys. All right, thank you. See you later. All right. Yes, sir. Fangs up. Yes, sir. Uh, Coach Tyrone McGriff, ladies and gentlemen, um, man, that's woo, That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll admit, I did not interview. know – yeah, I did not know much about uh, a Coach, you know, obviously uh, a younger guy, younger guy uh, but, man, I'm telling you, rising star, Kelvin. Yeah. Rising star, I see it. I see it a mile away. That mm-hmm. honesty, boy. That honesty you might want to keep him close. Hey, that honesty is gold. <laughs> I'm telling you now, man. I'm telling you that that honesty. Yeah. Whoo, ah, man. Anyway, I I know after 20 inspiring, years, inspiring, right? Gonna, oh yeah, man, I'm telling you, I, I'm inspired. Yeah. I'm inspired. You know, uh, I I think when you give too much honesty, like after 20 something years, sometimes people think that your honesty is like just being negative it's like no no I, I mean i encourage when i encourage but the truth will set you free and and you know so many people are scared to talk truth to power 
that, uh, you know, when you see it and when you hear it. And uh, anyway, uh, good stuff there. So uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully you guys uh, tune in and appreciated that conversation with Coach McGriff. Make sure you follow him on socials. That's uh, um, McGriff. Uh, hold on, let me make sure I got it because I had it pulled up here on the side. Uh, you just gave it to us, so shame on me for not having it ready. No, it's uh, McGriff underscore Tyrone. Thank you, Kel. Thank you, Marcus, for jumping in there. McGriff underscore Tyrone. And uh, all right. So, all right. Now let's get to the ONG awards because we got to get ready to wrap up the show. I got a, I got a dog in a, in a, in a crate that is going nuts. And I'm just praying that this dog has not crapped in the, in the, uh, in the crate because <laughs> your boy is not looking forward to cleaning that up. If that happened for a second night, it happened to me the other night. The dog surprised me with a nice little gift. Um, but anyway, all right. So, uh, we gave you the categories earlier. Let's go into the actual nominations. And again, we're gonna we're gonna probably drop a way for you guys to vote uh, on socials this weekend. So you'll be looking out. Make sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at mybcsn1, and we'll let you know how to uh, how you can vote for these categories in the female most memorable moment of the year category. Our nominees are. Uh, uh, I think I think it's Naila Clarington. Uh, yeah, just make sure we make sure we we, we got to double check. So it's Naila Clarington with the she's the cheerleader, FAMU cheerleader, mm-hmm. senior cheerleader with the viral video from the baseline of a basketball game uh, that that went super viral as she had a conversation with the referee and a few other players and so on and so forth. So uh, we had that moment. How about the tennis SWAC championship win? And I think we're talking the tournament win, correct? Sure. So that's the uh, the tennis our our tennis team winning the SWAC championship on that final day. Uh, also, another tournament win: the volleyball team winning the uh, SWAC tournament for the second consecutive season. Uh, and then also you got to respect championships, baby. Yeah. Got to respect the championship, uh, and, and the win. Uh, and then also our softball team, family softball, getting a win over Mercer. I believe that was, uh, very early in the season. First weekend series, uh, actually Mercer was the host. And so we got off to a great start when we had, when we had a full roster, no injuries, looked healthy. And, uh, man, did we look good at the beginning of the season? So, um, yeah, so that's the four nominees. If you have a recommendation for another female most memorable moment, feel free to drop it in the chats, or you can also send an email to ongstrikezone at gmail.com. Let's go to male most memorable moment of the year. This is for the men most memorable moment of the year. Uh, how about our football team stand on compliance issues that, you know, the really pressing the issue with our administration, taking that moment before we got on the bus or got on the buses with to, on, on, and then to a plane to go to Chapel Hill. They said, nah, we're not going. Something's not right here. And so they even formed a, a great letter 
which was uh, also sent to Dr. Robinson, but uh, just a great I stand. I feel that belt coming. Where my belt? Yes, yes, uh, yeah. Go, go, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. So, uh, also, yeah, also for football, the Florida Classic win over Bethune uh, as a memorable moment. What stood out about that game? Because I'm, I'm going to give you an alternate game, but but what stood out about that game for you guys? Or Marcus, Kelvin, go ahead. Was it the quarterback? Florida Classic? Yeah, what, what about the Florida Classic stood out? Oh man! See, I thought it was. Gotta, gotta, I, I thought I thought it was the best coach game uh, that that the staff had put together of the this season for sure, and one of the best since they've been here. You know, from right. the um, you know so, from so from talented. the throwback passes and all that kind of stuff. Special teams, uh, offense, defense, yeah, everybody at yeah. their best. So yeah. the totality of that game. Okay, yeah. I get that. I support that. I support that. Kelvin, I mean, Marcus, you had to think too long. So for me, uh, that would tell me. Now, my my honorable mention, though, I got to say the Alabama State ending. The Alabama State game ending. Agreed. The block punt, return for a touchdown. Uh, like field goal. in the end zone, the band. That, I mean, that still yeah. is in my head. Like, what? What? I mean, that, that just in my head is – is ridiculous. So I, I don't know. You know, uh, somebody else out there watching me may, may uh, agree, but uh, we'll we'll keep the Florida Classic win in there. Baseball SWAC championship run, the SWAC uh, championship the, that weekend. Just uh, we're just categorizing it all six games. That whole yes, what was it five days? Let me see. Wednesday, Thursday, because we had coach on Wednesday. Right. Uh, and they played the first game was what Thursday? Thursday. So, so Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So four days. They played six games in four days, and that was an amazing four day run. That was an amazing four days of of baseball. So you got that in there as a nominee, and then you've also got baseball. How about the baseball, the NCAA tournament, the two games in the NCAA regional. You know, yeah, we 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 uh impressed people. We we got eyeballs on the program. Got a lot of respect for that run. And as you can see, University of Florida is still undefeated uh, in the College World Series. So, yes, we can say we we were competing with the best. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, and also memorable moment, Coach Mike Rice returning to golf, returning to the golf program. Um, so that was, that was, uh, we, we thought we had thought we had lost him and then, uh, you know, things worked out and, uh, he was back. And so good to see you got, got Couldn't that in there. Away. Male, yeah. Male most memorable moment. So again, looking for nominees in there. If you want to add somebody, let us know. Okay. Let's go to female athlete of the year. Okay, it's a big list here, guys. So, you know, I don't know. See, we have a total of nine people. Wow, this is this is heavy. Um, we might need to evaluate this, but anyway, uh, we'll just go through the list. Here, here are the nine names. We've got Dylan Horton, uh, women's basketball. She was a second team All SWAC player. Jordan Ship for bowling. She was the SWAC All Tournament team. 
and had the third best average in the SWAT bowling tournament. Nyla Clarington, uh, we already mentioned, she was a senior captain for the cheerleading squad. I I could not remember the uh, what it was that the cheerleading team actually accomplished. I know they they did something significant in terms of their um, NCA. I think it's the National Cheerleading Association. Third place. Yeah, somebody if somebody can look up what it was exactly and make sure we include that. But I I think just on the strength of uh, Nyla being a senior captain, and then of course the uh, the viral video, um, we've got to have her in there. Uh, Nia Morgan, softball, second team, all swag. But as a catcher, played every game, every inning of the softballs. Talk about Iron Woman. That's ridiculous. So just Nia Morgan, uh, her bat and her knees, because, man, she she that that's some serious uh, Iron Woman stuff right there. Um, Janiah Davis, softball, first team all swack this year. Uh, Michaela Irvis. Softball, first team all swack, and she might have had one of the top averages or top numbers. I think it was either triples or doubles, something, one of those two stats. Um, Sarah Rakim, tennis, swack player of the year in the regular season. Uh, Reagan Harris, tennis, swack all tournament MVP. And I think Reagan was also a first team, either first or second, but she probably was first team. Uh, and then there's the the queen on the volleyball court, Dominique Washington, who again was the SWAC player of the year, led FAMU to back-to-back uh, titles uh, along with being the SWAC player of the year. So that's the list of nine again. Dylan Horton, Jordan Ship, Naila Clarington, Naya Morgan, Janiah Davis, Michaela Irvis, Sarah Rakim, Reagan Harris, and Dominique Washington. Man, nine people. I, I don't know how we're going to. Uh, include nine people. Um, thank you, Melissa. Appreciate it. There it is, guys, right there. Uh, they placed third at the NCAA College Nationals. Appreciate you, Melissa. Thank you for dropping that in there for us. All right. Male Athlete of the Year. Uh, got a few football players. We've got Isaiah Land, Xavier Smith, and Jeremy Musa. Uh, on the baseball diamond, we've got Hunter Veets, Sebastian Greco, uh, home run uh, king there, and Ty Hanchi uh, for his uh, – he was selected, the first Rattler selected on the uh, regional uh, all-tournament team. Um, could we be missing – I'm thinking just – I'm just spitfiring here. Could we be missing anybody from, say, uh, our golf no. program? Yeah, we I should. Was, we should. We should have one golf guy. Yeah, there, there was at least one golfer. Uh, is it was it Jacob Ayes Ayusto? Who Yesto? Yeah, I think so, I, yeah, yeah. We might have yeah, to we'll, double check the we'll, stats, but somehow we'll, we got to find a way to get him. Yeah, in there. We'll, we'll add him in. Yeah. All right. Uh, next category is women's sports coach of the year. We got four nominees from our women's sports programs. Of course, we have. Uh, let's see. We've got eight, eight or nine women's sports, right? Eight. Uh, so, so here are the four. We've got Coach uh, Kamise Patterson, softball. Coach uh, Gokhan Yomaz, volleyball. Coach Nikki Houston, Rochelle Nikki Houston for tennis. And Coach Karen Brown, 
uh, bowling. Of course, you know, Coach Brown retired after this uh, past season. And so uh, we had uh, championships from tennis and volleyball. And then I'm telling you, working working under tough conditions, Coach Patterson and still, still do uh, that team uh, made it to the uh, SWAC tournament um, mm-hmm. when, when many people thought they weren't and they, they could have given up on the season, but that team found a way. And so uh, I think we got a great pool there for our women's sport coaches of the year. Male coach of the year. We've got five nominees here under male coach of the year. Uh, let's see. We've got Jamie Shoup, baseball champion, swag champion. Uh, now, this is interesting. We have <laughs> two golf coaches here. Not only do we have Preston Mike Rice, but we've also got Mia Campbell, who she filled in for Coach Rice. Right. Um, and, and won and, a tournament. And won a tournament. Right. Won a tournament when uh, Coach Rice had stepped down before he came back. Um, let's see. Let's see. Of course, we've got Coach Willie Shotgun Simmons. And then uh, Rufus Peoples, the interim track and field coach. Um, so yeah, tough, all- tough, tough situation. He stepped in and kept it all together. Uh, the the uh, the cross country team did well academically. So yeah, you know he's he's no longer with the program, but. Uh, you know, given the circumstances, I think he deserves another nomination. Right, right. Okay, Lady Sport Coach of the Year. Uh, no, wait a minute. Okay, so that's it for the coaches. Okay, here we go. These are the Team of the Year awards. So we have our Women's Sport Team of the Year and the Male Sports Team of the Year. Now, again, we have uh, one, two, three, five nominees. Again, we have eight sports. Our Team of the Year. We have softball team. We've got our tennis team, volleyball, bowling, and the four by one hundred track and field outdoor team. Um, that uh, finished second I, in the swag. They were second in the swag, but I think Kelvin they may have ran the best time overall in the year because I don't yeah. think that. 4135 yes. that they ran got beat in the in the tournament. Right. So even though they finished second in the SWAT tournament, they had the best time ran by any four by one hundred team that season. So uh, so yeah, I think that's well deserved. Well deserved for them. All right. So for our male male sport team of the year. We really ain't got we five have, male teams. I know, I know. So I mean, are we are we going with three three teams or four? You got four on there, but you look like we, yeah, are we, are we, are we, yeah, we we only we only got real three th- three real nominations. Yeah. Okay, so the three the three teams then are the football team, uh, baseball, and golf. As we got Marcus back with us now. Um, so our male sports team of the year, we've only got three nominations, football team, baseball team, and our golf team. All right. 
Sports Administrator of the Year. All right. That's a good list. Uh, and you have to you have to break this down for me because mm-hmm. I think there may be a name or two, at least one name that I'm not familiar with. But I think we have talked to mm-hmm. four of the other folks. So sports right. administrator of the year. We start with, and this is we just these are just listed here. Obviously, we have Mr. Josh Padilla, the SWAC uh, SID of the year, but he's the director of communications and digital strategy for our athletic department. How about Michael Smith? was the interim AD uh, at the first half of the school year uh, slash assistant vice president for athletics now. Uh, Rhea Floyd, we talked to uh, Rhea on the show. She's the director of special projects and marketing. Of course, one of the big events that she put together was the, uh, uh, we recall, I think we talked to her right after the spring game, either before or after the spring game draft. Right. So she was a big part of that. Right. Um, Elizabeth Balaam, I hope I'm saying her last name correctly. Uh, she's the interim director of sports medicine. Kelvin, what do we know about Elizabeth? Uh, she stepped in and, um, you know, she's responsible primarily not not only for the staff that supports all, what, 14 sports we have. But she directly is responsible for football and um, the major sports. So, you know, those hours that this, this, I'm going to have a, a guess of a former uh, sports medicine person to explain the conditions you work when you in, when you work in at a HBCU and the hours you have to put in. It's ridiculous. So um, and, and our team, all of our athletic teams didn't have seem to have a lot of issues this year in terms of outside of women's basketball in in terms of recovery and and injuries. So um, working with the resources you have and, and, and then doing it on an interim basis, uh, stepping, stepping up to the, to the cause Um, with, we, we had championships. So she obviously she did some things really well. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. And then of course, uh, Latroy Johnson, the assistant AD and, of football operations. Um, we talked to him and of course he's a vital, uh, a vital part of uh, what happens there with the uh, football program. Great article in the Tallahassee Democrat. If you haven't had a chance to read uh, one of Gerald Tom Thomas's uh, latest pieces, um, uh, good stuff there on uh, Latroy. So again, our sports administrator of the year nominees, Josh Padilla, Michael Smith, Rhea Floyd, Elizabeth Balaam, and Latroy Johnson. Support staff of the year. This is this is one that many people don't. You're not familiar with these names. I'll admit, I'm one of them. I'm not familiar with these names. Not familiar with these people. But these are important people, and I, I love the fact that Kelvin uh, created this category here. Uh, so if if I get the names, if I say any names wrong, please jump in there. Correct me, but our support staff of the year nominees, uh, Mr. Fenoris Hayes, a business manager, Miss Brian, Brian Houston in sports performance, uh, Cole Forney, also in sports performance, Patrick Fenderson, uh, AD slash facilities and events, and Mr. Donald Reed, director of equipment. Um, what what can you uh, what can you tell us about these individuals if you can quickly, Kelvin? 
three of the five I directly have worked with in the past and previous previous positions. And um, they work really hard. Uh, they work with all sports in, ter- in terms of the business manager. That's the person who's helping the coaches and everything get all these flights and arrangements and meals and per diems and all that good stuff done, as well as uh, helping the equipment person um, order for all 14 sports and so forth. So Donald and Fenoris been around for, for a minute, work extremely hard. No drama. Things get done. They know how to get it done with FAMU resources. So it's Patrick, same thing, a guy who helped me. Frankly, Patrick helped me when um, I was uh, with the athletic department. So uh, uh, Brian Houston works with, uh, I think, the Olympic sports as well as Cole. And um, Brian is uh, the husband of tennis coach um nikki houston so all good people though and um and they deserve their flowers so i had i remember how crucial those people were when i was working in athletics and and and, you know they never get their names put out there so i wanted to make sure we 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 showed them some love that's uh that's that's gonna be that might be the toughest category to handicap because not many people are uh, i'm just assuming most people aren't gonna be uh, very uh, knowledgeable, um, you know, uh, of who uh, who those people are. Um, uh, let me see. Let's see. Okay. Um, <laughs> we got a nomination here. I don't know. At first, I thought this might have been for the support staff of the year portion, <laughs> Robert Vickers says a do slash did more with less award for a coach. Yeah, that, that maybe that might be for the support staff. We I don't know. <laughs> Who did do it more with less? Yeah. Yeah. That that is a good uh that's a good title for, for that for that category for that support staff category. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh last two uh categories here. The assistant, this is probably assistant coach of the year. Yes. So the assistant coach of the year in uh, women's sports. Now, I, is it just, is it both sports or is it women and men? No, no, we separate the men and women. Both sides deserve to Oh, yeah, okay, okay, okay. I got you, I got you. Okay, so this is for our women's sports programs, the assistant coach of the year. We've got uh, Steve Canfield in volleyball. Felicia Barnes with the cheer and spirit team. Uh, Kiara Brown. I hope I, I'm saying Kiara's name right. Uh, softball. Earl Wade of tennis. And uh, Al Brown in bowling. And uh, we we can say that uh, Al <laughs> retired along with uh, his uh, wife and, and uh, coach. Uh, Coach Brown, as uh, mm-hmm. the, the the two uh, both stepping away from coaching uh, right. after this past season. So again, we've got uh, Steve Canfield volleyball, Felicia Barnes cheer, Kiara Brown softball, Earl Wade tennis, and Al Brown bowling. Uh, always interesting to try to figure out how you how do you handicap the assistant coaches 
and uh, which which assistant coach provided the uh, the most. And I and I hope that we're able to get some good discussion when we post these on. Um, we're definitely going to post them on our Facebook or even IG, but uh, hopefully we can get some good comments from whether it be uh, uh, players or people who've interacted with them and to kind of help with the voting uh, as as well. So uh, the assistant coach in male sports, the assistant coach of the year for male sports, we've got Coach Riz, Coach Devin Rispress, uh recruiting coordinator for a football program. Mia Campbell, golf. So Mia Campbell's in two categories for not only coach, but then assistant coach uh, as well. Uh, the defensive coordinator, Coach Ryan Smith. Uh, coach, assistant coach, Isaac Brown for basketball. And then football, we have one more, another one from football, Orlando Heggs, uh, the second, our football player development. And uh, if you have not seen some of the things that he's done with the player development program, awesome stuff around the, the community of Tallahassee. And you yeah. see our guys being actively involved at different schools, man, that, that, uh, that is a big part of what uh, Orlando Heggs has been a part of. So. And, and by the way, he's moving on. Uh, he's got an opportunity to, to be an officer line coach. I think it was at Georgia Military, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. That announcement, I think, was the date. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, look, coaching is, is something he wanted to get into, and, and this obviously was a a first uh, step for him. So mm -hmm. uh, now he'll, he'll get an opportunity. So we wish him uh, the best there. All right. So, Marcus, as best as you can tell, you know, I'm not going to ask you or Kelvin to kind of handicap any any of these awards. We'll kind of talk oohs and ahs next week when we reveal the results. Uh, but uh, just any category, what, what categories kind of stand out? What might be tough? Anything we left off? Um, anything you would change? Go ahead, Marcus. You're on mute. You're on mute. You're on mute, Marcus. Marcus. There uh, there's go. nothing I would change. Uh, Kelvin did a great job putting it together. I guess the hardest to pick, I would say, would be either support staff or the assistant coaches, just because they do a lot of things behind the scenes. I guess from a prominent standpoint, Coach Rispress is probably the most out there if you follow him on Twitter or on social media. But I'm sure all of these coaches are deserving based on the work that they put in and the success of the respective teams. So I think the last two or three categories we went over between the support staff and the assistant coaches would probably be the hardest uh, for folks to pick out. But all of them are, are deserving. Um, as far as I'm concerned, Brian, I think the sports administrator of the year along with the support support staff are the two toughest um, to the most competitive because, you know, all of them are deserving. All of them have been significant in their different areas. So, you know, choosing one out of that group is, is, is it's going to be challenging. Mm. <clears throat> yeah. I, um, I think for me, it's going to be the, uh, Female athlete of the year. 
I, I think you're just nine people, you know, it's like, wow, how, how do you, yeah, how, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you whittle that, twiddle that down to, you know, I, I would hurt. yeah, well, <laughs> that's how I'm going to do it. Well, uh, but, more than likely. But so is you, that even easy? Is that easy? No, that, that becomes it, hard. It's not easy, but it does pare it down. If you got, we're gonna be splitting hairs at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, so it's things like that that you know you, when you're splitting hairs that you look at. I, I'm a. I think with the individual awards, I'm gonna look at. You know, when you look at future FAMU Hall of Famers, you know, maybe the maybe that might be for me. How I kind of look at those votes, and then I, I also, like you said, I'm, I'm with you guys on the whole support staff, sports administrators, assistant coaches, and I hope, like I said, I'm, I'm hopeful that we can get some, some good feedback and input on those individuals or for those individuals because, um, you know, their family and friends are going to vote, and that, I mean that's fine. I mean it is what it is, but you know, I would hope that. Uh, you know, we'll have to kind of provide some links uh, to to the page on FAMU Athletics to kind of talk about them and what they do, uh, because I think a lot of people may not know what they do. So that, that's just something to think about for the future. Maybe not have to do it this time. Uh, memorable moment. That's going to be the one that I'm looking forward to. The one that I'm most eager to see what people think. And so we'll see, we'll see. It, it's all, all good, all good in the hood. So we'll uh, we'll put that out there. And so that's going to be uh, what we close the show with. Uh, final thoughts, Marcus, as we put a bow on tonight's overextended show. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had a great show. I love the, um, I love Coach McGriff. I mean, shooting straight from the hip and telling it like it is. I love the fact that we're celebrating Black Black American uh, Music Appreciation Month with DJ Artistic, and just look forward to you know fo- continuing to follow him and, and learn from him. Actually, learn from both Coach and from DJ Artistic on how they're perfecting their craft and seeing how they just continue to lift up FAMU going forward. Kelvin, uh, my thoughts are similar to Marcus. FAMU continues to produce greatness, to hmm. produce excellence. And today's guests are a little bit younger than our generation. And it gives me great pride and confidence hmm. that, you know, those behind us going to continue to make that, the, the you know, FAMU, everything we do and how we represent it as excellent. And um, lastly, I love what uh, Coach said about looking at what's happening in our community in terms of investing in, in real estate and so forth. We, we've been talking about doing more and more. We've been talking about P3s and um, the opportunity is here. We're a LeBron school. There's plenty yes. of investors that we can leverage. All we got to do is to believe in the visions ourselves through our leadership and present it. Yes. And that's what, that's yes. what I'm That's our next step. Well said. I I did not, you know, I'll admit, I did not know fully how you talk about young, you know, how how young uh, not only DJ Artistic was, 
Um, but uh, um, Coach McGriff, and they they were they were on the fa- they were at FAM at the same time. So they were if you look at their timelines, they were at FAMU around the same time. Mm-hmm. And the the history, like I love the fact that the you know uh, artistic talked about the history of music from the nineties before he was even born. He but he knew that 96 was a killer year for this. He knew that 93, I mean, so that tells me that's somebody who studies his craft and mm-hmm. doesn't just take it lightly uh, because, I mean, unless, Marcus, you had kind of set up pre-questions with him, I, you know, that was kind of just, you know, that's just something that, put it like that, here's what I'll analogize it as. As a sports guy, if you ask me, Hey Brian, what was what, who was your greatest uh, what was your greatest college basketball team? I should know that if I'm a sports fan, college basketball fan, I'm gonna tell you. You know, you you just gonna get three to four teams right off the bat, and it'll be hard for you to be like, what? No, because that's a, but and so for him to go in the crate, you know, pun intended, uh, and talk about 88, 91. I mean that we know those that de- we know eight, those, eight, we know eight those. one. Hey, we know that stuff, but for somebody 20 years before he was even born, music that his mama and daddy was dancing and and, and juking to, what? Come on now. that I love it. That was history. Yeah. And then, of course, um, it was great having Coach McGriff and the knowledge and history. And you can tell he was been a successful administrator. You can yeah. tell it's there. So, man, just as you said, well said, Kelvin. Black excellence, FAMU excellence on display. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed those conversations. I'll make sure that we get those clipped and uh, have them up as separate uh, pieces so that if you just want to catch those interviews, you can do that, or you can listen to us ramble on about all kinds of other stuff uh, in between. Uh, If you want to listen to the full show, uh, make sure to download the BCSN Pod Zone. Available everywhere you listen to podcasts. That's uh, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, and more. Uh, you can also to be available on YouTube. And, you know, speaking of YouTube, you can always leave a super chat donation. You can always drop a tip in the jar. Uh, you can always give on the Cash App uh, right there. All that stuff you see scrolling at the bottom of the screen. Make sure you uh, hit the thumbs up button on the way out the door if you have not already. Uh, feel free to share the stream, the YouTube page. Make sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram uh, at ONG Strike Zone. And be looking out for the ONG Award nominations list coming out this weekend. We want you guys to be a part of the votes. And then we will give the awards and the nominations, final awards out on next Wednesday's show. 74 days away from the start of the football season, the OVC uh, in Miami Gardens, and uh, we can't. Those these days cannot get here fast enough. Although I'm not rushing them, I got I've got six weeks of summer left as a teacher. I am not rushing to go back to school to get to August. I am not rushing. So, with that said, <laughs> for my guys, Marcus, Kelvin, uh, Brian, uh, thank you, Rattler Nation. Thank you. HBCU uh, culture family for watching the show. Uh, Rattlers, put two fingers up. Strike hard, strike 
fast strike often. Just make sure you let them folks know that you are representing Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University on the highest of seven hills in Tallahassee. 1887. What? 1887. What? Peace out, Rattler Nation. And I got to find the right button to push so we can get out of here. All right, we out.